Bearcat Bounce Podcast, back at it again. Happy Monday. Bit of a spooky Monday. A Monday that uh, has brought nightmares leading up to said Monday. A, a Monday following a loss against an AAC team for the first time since this podcast has been a podcast. Uh, if, if, if I'm remembering correctly, but uh, it's Monday nonetheless. It's a Halloween edition of Monday. It's a Bengals on the TV Monday. It's an in and out BBP yet again. That's why I'm going to welcome in my two guys, pals, partners. Uh, one was there in Florida with me. The other one was back in Cincy holding down the Queen City. So without further ado, Mr. Aaron Smith, Mr. Chad Brendel. Gentlemen, how are we? Happy to be home. Yeah. I'm not I'm not quite home yet. I'm I'm at the Florida home. Oh geez. Fresh from trick-or-treating, Mr. Ryan Royer himself joining as the quad. Uh I, I see you you went out as a was it a maybe a, a greaser? Was that the <laughs> were you were you pony boy out there? The outsiders type feel? But uh, Tony Soprano Jr. Okay. I had to rush around the block to make sure I got all my candy and maybe a little gabagool on the way up too. But gabagool, gabagool. Well, well, welcome in, Ryan. How are we? Doing well. Uh, obviously, tough weekend. You know, heart hurts for all the guys, but mm-hmm. it was a solid weekend. My brother got a win, one of his first, one of his six total wins at Brown University. So that kind wow. of brightened, brightened my weekend up. But, okay. Other than that, still kind of hurting for for the for the Bearcats. Yeah, I I think we all are. Chad, how are we? Good. Just got done with the little little trick or treat action here in the in the in the subdivision. Yes, sir. Everybody, uh, I the first time I think I can recall that uh, I had to call it quits because they wiped us out. Yeah, didn't that's... didn't have a single piece of candy left. What's the uh, the Chad Brendel candy, the uh, the Brendel family candy that you hand out? Uh, I went, I went, I went with the heavy hitters. Yeah. Uh, Twix, Reese cups, Snickers, peanut butter Snickers, which are actually my favorite. I love peanut butter Snickers. Those are good. They are good. Um, what else? I thought you were going to say full size candy bars. If you're saying heavy hitters, no, I'm talking the brands. All right, the heavy hitters. All right. No, I'm not yeah. going full size candy bars. I don't know those kids. <laughs> Fuck them kids. I mean, the full size kids. full size candy bar houses. That those are the ones you secretly would go back to. Maybe you know, yeah, trade around like, masks and and go in a little bit different. So in our old neighborhood, I could have gone full like full size candy bars because it was a quiet like residential street. It wasn't a subdivision. Right. If you're trying to go full size candy bars with like. I don't know. Do the math. We probably had 250 kids come by. Yeah. Like you're just catching money on fire. Right. Right. We, we Bearcat Journal does all right, but we're not, we don't have it like that. But for one night, you're, you're that cool house, man. You're that cool. I'm, house not, for that one I'm night. not trying to be the cool house. Fuck the hey, kids. we're up next though. We're okay. up next. Bearcat Journal. We're going to be, be giving out big candy bars later on. <laughs> don't, don't count us out, man. Gonna have us a I, I don't know the kids. I don't know yeah. Like, if it was a close – like, you do that if you got, like, a close neighborhood, right? And you yeah. know all the kids and the families. You, you're dropping. 
I live in one of those subdivisions. My next door neighbor is a uh, like is a administrator at a school in Covington. There was a kid that came through today that was from his school, and he lives like a block <laughs> from the school. We're one of those subdivisions where people just come and drop their kids off. Right. Oh, yeah. trick or tr- They're not go. getting full-size candy bars. They're just not. <laughs> no. no. There we go. Hey, they are getting full-size candy bars at the Fickle House, that's for sure. Okay. That's definitely a full-size candy bar house. Could you imagine how far you have to walk from your house to get to the Fickle House? <laughs> hey, it's worth it. That Indian Hill uh, trick-or-treat right. might be a little different out there. They, yeah. they trick-or-treat with golf carts in Indian Hill. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, you get, you get some motorized motorized scooters, I think, is what they've got. Just yeah. buzzing around, left and right. And, the and kids you know are on hoverboard, or like the, the, yeah. the, the yeah. hoverboard things. <laughs> You, well, you know the little fickles are running around on that, getting spoiled by daddy's money. Of course. Well, well the That's thing why is, you, you make got, that money, right? You stop at the house, but you could also stop at the barn to get another candy treat. <laughs> yeah, they got two it's setups: the barn setup, right the there. house yeah. setup. Well, the barn's got to be a haunted house, right? Yeah, Ooh. something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the mats are down in case you know some kids are trying to get get He's after it. To get then, some work in. Then, then the fickle clan is there, and they're like, "All right, let's go." Yeah. It's just the two little twins in like wrestling gear. Like, <laughs> come on. Yeah. I feel like Coach Vic would be back there just trying to take his anger out after the, the loss, just beating up some kids or something. <laughs> we, we don't condone that, but uh, no, if it we happened, don't. It, it would be interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> we don't condone child abuse. Story at 11. Yeah. <laughs> story, story at 11. I, you know what? If, if, if your car gets any damage tonight, you know what you could do? Go over to Danco Joe. Tell tell Joe. Tell Joe BCJ sent you. Say say the Halloween treat. This is the Chatty B King size treat. <laughs> Go on in. Ten dollars off an oil change. Ten percent off your next fixing. Uh, you know, I went out tonight with uh with my little nephew. You know, he he was Buzz Lightyear. I dressed up in a banana outfit. <laughs> my sister was a pickle. My other you are sister, such a basic bitch. <laughs> no. Oh, I wore a goofy costume my entire life. That goofy costume has been through it. It was in a lake mm-hmm. once. I was I was all the way down underneath except for the goofy head sticking out of the lake. <laughs> that was just your head. Yeah. That goofy. was yesterday. <laughs> Those, hey, goofy seen a lot. So goofy just took the day off today. It was the bananas time. I called him the banana <laughs> reliever. But you know what? We made go. it in and out. We, I, you know, I'm excited for after this. Got Reese's. Yeah, exactly. Call, bring in the righty. Actually, the banana is a, <laughs> the banana is a southpaw because it's a weird, weird looking thing. Uh, but <laughs> kind of suggestive too. But you know, it's weird. Anyway, yeah, there we anyway. go. Uh, but <laughs> man, Danco Transmission, our good buddy Danco Joe, get your car fixed there if you need to. Uh, speaking of fixing, man, we've got to dive right into it. Obviously. Uh, these shows are not real used to these kind of shows, to be honest. I, you know, I was saying to, to you know, Aaron and and Justin and you know Keith and, and the whole media crew after the game. I was like, oh, I'm not really sure how to handle myself after a day like this. And I'm sure the team was trying to figure out the same thing themselves and this, that, and the other. But without further ado, it it was a tough one there in Orlando, 25-21 final, kind of a weird game overall. One that. Uh, Obviously had some ebbs and flows on both sides. One that you know featured a backup quarterback who probably had a little personal vendetta. You know, I, I imagine this was Mikey Keene's chance to really 
resurrect some demons that are in his life against a team that kind of throttled him last year. I, you know, it's, it's, it was a game that just, man, it stinks. Uh, at the end of it, it, it did. 25-21, Chad and Aaron, you guys kind of already touched on it a little bit in the nightcaps, but um, a couple days removed. Anything that's kind of stuck out to you or, or, or kind of been on your head as like a main topic or, or a main thing that's been bothering you or something that you see maybe as a positive a couple days removed? Chad, start with you. Um, I don't know if there's any positive from that. You had a game where the offense, you know, unfortunately we're like, this isn't the type of consistency you want where, you know, there are going to be three, four drives during a game where they look unstoppable. And then there's going to be like six, three or four play drives where they, they get a a first down and punt or they go three and out. And There's just, you know, we talked about this last week. What does Cincinnati need to do? They need to find some middle ground, even if it's just a seven play, 35 yard drive where you punt and you put the other guy at their 10 yard line. Like, mm-hmm. th- there's not enough of that. It's either all the way to the red zone, get a touchdown or a field goal, or it's nothing. And that trend continued. And that's frustrating as hell because there's too much talent offensively on this team to be so boom or bust, to be so polar opposite on what your identity is offensively. Is some of that not being able to run? Yes. Is some of that Ben not hitting the intermediate throws at the – at the percentage that he needs to. Yes. Is some of that receivers making drops, especially early in the game when you're trying to build a rhythm? Yes. Like it's not one thing you can say, this is why, this is what the offense needs to fix. <laughs> and the consistency will, will automatically take place. Um, so no, I don't like, and, and then defensively, like, I'm sure, as, as Aaron and I talked about, you guys were much more aware how hot it was than than we were sitting back at home. They didn't mention it really on the TV at all. It was 85 um, degrees at kickoff, and real feel was 90. So I, it's twofold with the defense. This defense has been on the field for 80 to 100 plays every week. Yeah. One of those factors is on the offense. The offense has to do a better job of what we just talked about. The other – is the defense has to get off the field. They, they, they can't keep allowing teams 7 to 14, 50% again for an opponent on third down. And maybe you think, well, look at what, what um, UCF did on those final two drives. Guess what? One third, they, they only took one third down snap on those two drives. And that was the beginning of the first one. The UCF. second one... There wasn't a single third down in that final scoring drive for UCF. At that point, though, UCF, they, they had the ball for 37 minutes of the game um, compared to Cincinnati's 22. I mean, that. Okay, and Cincinnati had just had the ball for two, a 10 and a seven play drive to score they, touchdowns. They looked gassed, is, is the point I'm making. I mean, what, it, what, it was, what, were, they, were they doing sprints on the sidelines like while the offense was on the field? No, they were doing it on the field during those 37 minutes. Well, then don't let the other team march up and down the field on you eight times. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I, you're playing into what I just said, though, right. Aaron. You're 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 part of the reason you're not getting off the field because you're giving I, up seven to fourteen on third down, and and you're letting them on first and second down control you. Ryan, am I wrong? No, you got to get off the field. I, I agree with you. And, I mean, it's the same thing, complimentary football. We've talked about it in both losses. When It always seems like when one one side of the ball is firing and the other is not. And that could right. be all in all, or that could be like like just playing good combo football in the first half, first quarter. Like yeah. maybe sometimes they'll be hitting the second, then we come out in the third quarter, defense can't get off the field, and off, can't, offense is three and out. Um, I think one thing that hurt, you didn't feel the the pressure as much from our D-line. I think their O-line did a good job. They did something that no one else in the country has been able to do against our D-line, and it's stopped the havoc plays at the rate we were delivering them. I think they also had a good plan that uh, with Mikey Keene to kind of just get the ball out. Um, I think you kind of saw they were able to find, like, quick access routes. You know, that goes to – the luxuries that we had in previous years with Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner, where you can just right. put them out there on an island and just know we're going to be fine and not have to worry about them padding off on any other coverages and just playing um, two on two, basically, or three on two on three on two or four on two for us, depending on what coverage we're doing. Um, so, yeah, I think what you saw things catch up to us. Um, and I think we're, we were even luckier than, like we're even really talking about. I mean, they had two like inside the what fifteen fumbles. Yeah, I mean Both that's one that's was a good play, of. one was a gift. Yeah, no yeah, and that's like a rarity. So we could we could be sitting here getting a two score loss, and not even having a chance to win. But you know, you have the ball, and you have a great running play by by Amani, uh, be able to get in the end zone, and then you put the ball in the defense's hands and. You just got to at least just hold them to a field goal and you're muted. Yeah, you're muted. Get to overtime and see what happens. Yeah. And I like I, a couple of those, those missed tackles, man, I'm telling you, yeah, that makes me nervous. Cause that's just, it just seems to happen in, in waves. The first play you see two got two missed tackles. Next play you see another missed tackle. You're like, Oh shit, here we go. Like they're going to, they're going to march down here. Um, same thing. They didn't I mean, have a third down. Yeah. I mean, you got to remember, like, the yards after catch, yard, yards after contact, those guys are getting at least 8 to 12 yards. Oh. And just make them – you got to make them snap the ball. Make them Keep making them snap the ball, time off the clock. Just yeah. keep giving your ch yourself chances to, you know, just at least hold them to three. But we couldn't do that. I was talking to some of the guys. They said we were going more uh, – just trying to play more hot to try to stop the run because they were getting chunk runs on us and right. just couldn't find an answer. And I think you saw kind of like our luck kind of ran out there. Normally we've had this Bearcat luck the past two seasons. We've been able to squeak one out. And I think just miscues, missed tackles, bad leverage, just kind of we've had problems with over the past couple of years kind of caught up to us and just really bit us in the ass in one big blow sucks but still everything's right in front of us you know went out you control your own destiny might not be able to get a home championship game but the guys got to keep their heads up and get this shit corrected because there really is everything left right in front of us are we talk once and are we just now noticing how much jabari and malik meant to this d-line no 
No, we, we talked about this Evident, yeah. the entirety of the, the offseason and through camp. After them, we don't know really what they have at defensive end. Like we were, su- we-, we were surprised with with the depth as it was developing, but it was the biggest question mark probably coming but, into the season. But what really on the edge were you getting? I mean, Eric Phillips has played Eric, okay. Yeah, Justin right. Watley's played okay. Noah Potter. I haven't Potter's, seen much Potter's from Noah Potter. He yeah, was playing well at the more the beginning of the year. Potter yeah. gets held on every single play. Everybody yeah. gets held on every I'm single just saying, it was really bad from Norm- the booth. Normally, you, I mean, Jabari and Malik are our leaders. They're our senior leaders. They played the most snaps. And I think the guys that are having to step up and be the starters now, I think they really thrived in those backup roles. I think mm-hmm. Malik and Jabari just have kind of like gamer experience, just right. more natural yeah. DN ability that they and could go wear down. Yeah. Early. Wear them out, wear them out. Like the O lines on their heels, then you just bam. All right, no, Noah Potter, just bull rush, knock you on your ass. And Eric Phillips, same shit. I mean, experience matters, leadership matters, and even though they're on the sidelines, when you don't have the pads and helmets on, it's not the same. So we got to reps matter. Yeah, reps matter. Well, I and I think this this game is in, in particular is one where you know, as as we've mentioned, kind of just the fatigue and the overall. You know, amount of amount of times on the field, you you are missing that depth. You know, because you are having defensive line that are that are out there for a while. But overall, it's more of a to me. It's just like kind of UCF yet again came into this game, and it seemed like they had a a complete overhaul, kind of a uh, chance to not really their Super Bowl, but one where they definitely got up a little bit more for. And I, I mean, it seemed like in the first half, their offense was just throwing all different, you know, misdirections and, and the jet sweeps were absolutely killing the team. And it seems like that well, was kind of what, what was going in at the first half. So yeah. the book's out, right? Don't sit your quarterback in the pocket right. against this defense. Cause they're coming. Yeah. So get it out quick, get it, get it jet sweeps, get it quick hitters, yeah. get it, you know, take one step and throw an eight yard dig. Like, right. That that's, that's not a surprise. Like, no, no, but it, we, but we it, should have known, especially right. immediately after the Tulsa game, everybody was going to look and go, all right, got to get it out quick. Don't sit back there. Don't let them get a chance to pin their ears back. And, and that's where it's hurt that the offense hasn't been able to really start fast because mm-hmm. they've never put the defense in a position to pin their ears back and start going after somebody. Same thing goes right back to Kobe and football. just just being able to just stick them right, right on their right on their guys, and it's a luxury that we knew was going to catch up to us. We didn't know if it was going to cost us a game. You know, if we have Kobe and Ahmad out there, I think that whole last game winning drive by them, I mean, it just goes completely out the window. But you know, you gotta you gotta play with the guys you got. You gotta right. you gotta make adjustments. It just shows how Gus Malzahn is is an excellent coach. He won a national yeah. championship at Auburn, and he mm-hmm. co- made a great scheme. He learned he schemed us up from all of our weaknesses in the previous weeks, and they came out and they were ready to go. And we just we just weren't we just weren't ready to come right back at them. I'm curious, Ryan do you do you think? We underestimated the impact of of what getting smacked around at ECU would do for UCF this week because 
they looked exceptionally motivated from minute one in that game. Plus, it was homecoming. Yeah. yeah. They have a Does great I mean, matter. Do you guys care? <laughs> it's just more energy on on uh, on campus. I think it's more just playing us. I mean, I think this has been a this has been the game for both teams that we look forward to every year. I think we've gotten their number and the past couple years, and I think that sticks with them. I mean, we beat the shit out of them last year. I you know that their coaches yeah. are harping on that all off season, and because the, right. they're a good staff. Malzahn is a great coach. He has a good staff. They have a good scheme, and they just – I mean, they got their asses kicked last week, and any good football staff, any good coaching staff is going to come in and make sure their guys are ready to play, and that's exactly what they did. They fixed their – obviously fixed their mistakes, and they honed in on our mistakes and exposed us. So, uh, were, were the corners playing off more to stop the jet sweeps that they were doing in the first half? Because it seemed, I, it did seem like because even on like I think it was third and seven, and we it, it's like we gave them you know eight yards just right off the right off the line. It just seemed like they they went to that quick hitter a lot on the outside, and then you break one tackle and you're picking up 12, 15 yards. Yeah, I mean Mikey Keene, like give him credit. He was throwing the ball hard right on the right on the money, making our guys have to make that tackle in space, getting it out there quick so that you can kind of expose that cushion. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't. I mean, I was most of the guys that were t- talking about the last couple drives where they wanted, yeah. they were trying to stop the run more. They felt mm-hmm. like they couldn't really stop the run. They wanted to get a TFL, trying to get a, like some clock, chew the clock a little bit. So we were playing right. more hot, which is kind of just off back, kind of like mm-hmm. sit and sit and wait and kind of like in a zone coverage type thing. Um, so obviously, like that's not ideal for past quick hitting concepts, but a lot, a lot of make time- a play. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. It, it feels like a lot of the time in Trestle's defense, they press the boundary and they give like Kobe gave a lot of cushion last year uh, at mm-hmm. the field. And I, it looked like that's where they were cycling those digs, those quick eight yard, take one step, turn, throw it was on the field side where they were giving uh, a little bit of room, just the way that it, it's very difficult, especially if you don't have, NFL safeties to play press man across the board, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, you're right. They do they do they do tend to play more cushion to the field. They did it with Kobe. And obviously Kobe's an NFL caliber corner. And you know, that's you're gonna get some better coverage than what we're getting now. And just shows kind of big games, big moments. Maybe we don't have that experience that Kobe Ahmad in the secondary has had the past couple of years. It's that luxury, but you know, these guys, they, they got to learn. They're young. They got to learn from their mistakes and they, they got to just make the plays. They got to be aware. They got to be ready to react. And especially if you see that, if, if you're seeing the same thing a lot in that second half, you know, it's on the coaches, on the players to make that adjustment. Mm-hmm. Just wish cool. they could have done it. And and you mentioned Kobe, obviously, because, because last year I, and I mentioned Mikey Keene in the beginning, but, this is the first game he's played all year. Uh, I, I think UCF's doing a thing where they have that true freshman quarterback who's, you know, they're trying to probably retain his redshirt eligibility. So he's got four games already under his belt. This is the first time that Mikey's seen the field all season. And so when you're, when, when the first time you're on the field, you know, you're going to have an entire half to play against the team that pr- 
pretty much embarrassed you last year. I'm I'm sure that that fired him up a little bit. And he, I mean, you saw one of his, he had a scramble where he picked up yeah. a first down and he was like right on his sideline. He was like yelling at his, at his team on the sideline. And, you know, when, when you have that little added extra oomph in you and, and you know that, Hey, if I'm going to throw this quick dig out here, I don't have Kobe Bryant, Jim Thorpe award winner, jumping the route and taking it 70 yards for a touchdown. I've, yep. I've got some some guys that you know probably aren't used to seeing what we're throwing at them right now. So I don't know. It just it, it seemed like it was a bit of a like he played his heart out. This is yeah. a me against the world type game for him, which I think adds something to what he's going to do. And and I don't know it. I'm not saying it messed with the psyche of of the, the Bearcats at all, but more you know they probably knew okay backups Mikey Keene. We dominated him last year and. It's not no no longer John Reese Plumley who can who can run the shit out of the ball. It's 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 now going to be Mikey Keene. So let's just hone in on what we can do. But I don't know. It it just seemed like him coming in with a bit of an edge kind of helped them. But even though at the start of the second half we kind of dominated defensively as well. It's just the whole thing is just very strange to me. Um, but I don't know. It seemed as if when when the offense played with urgency, we we were clicking. And then when the defense had to play with urgency is when we kind of struggled a little bit. Um, I don't know if that has to do with anything more than, you know, end of the game scenario, but I don't know. A lot of adjustments need to be made. Uh, I don't know if the whole sack artist thing where number one sack team in the country kind of spoils any thoughts or, you know, if they're hunting sacks at times or if it's kind of just, Honing in, I'm not too sure how to really dissect that, but it just seems as if there was a lot of question marks and everything on the defensive side, But which also, as you mentioned, you saw some formations defensively where they had all three safeties on the field at the same time with Marion Smith deep as, as like a solo safety in the back. I don't know if that's something they probably practice on the entire time. We haven't seen much three safety. Right, yeah, right. So I haven't I, seen much of that, yeah. That's – and, and like – so I, I went back and sadly rewatched the highlights of the game, the extended <laughs> ones. Um, and Armarion was in the game early. He was he was out there in the first quarter. So I'm not sure if maybe they were trying to rotate at safety and and say, hey, we're going to go with this three safety look. I, I'm just I not think, sure. Yeah, Armarion's yeah. been doing really well. He's been practicing really well. He's been just going really hard, and he's he's showing up and. This is what some of the guys in the safety room are telling me that they're trying to get him reps because they think he's earned it, and maybe they're just he's trying to find. Pa- yeah, they're trying to find packages to get him on the field. I'm fine with that. Anyone who plays as hard like that, same thing with threats. Like I want him out on the field, you know. But you know, it comes to show. Maybe it comes in a game like this. You're maybe not be expecting something like that. It might be throwing us off a little bit. But you know, you want the guy out there in, in big moments if he if he's earned it. Uh, I can't say that's like costing us the game or anything, but no, yeah, yeah. But just go back on that. Kanye already talking about um, Mikey Keene. I think he was a guy. He stepped up and did his role. I think the coaches put him in a great role. They said quick access. We're not going to let this. We're not going to let him feel pressure. We're going to kind of try to expose some of the weaknesses, and that's what they did. I mean, I don't think Mikey Keene stepped up there and was playing like Patrick Mahomes or anything. No, right. Just made 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 the good throws, uh, played it hard, and stepped up. And credits to him, credits to the, the coaches for doing that to him. But we got to know that he wasn't in there, like, doing anything crazy to beat us. It's just us kind of not stepping up into the moment and shutting him down. So, 
I don't know. Just it's just tough because you you say to yourself a backup quarterback comes in and beats you, and you know this is supposed to be like that's not supposed to happen. You got to step up and find a way to get it done. How difficult is it midstream to change a game plan, Ryan? Because that's what you have to do. He's not running, Mikey Keene. That's why he's not the quarterback at right. UCF is because Gus Malzahn wants his quarterback to run. So how hard is it midstream to say, okay, they're going to run, but they're not going to run like we thought they were going to run. It's going to be more conventional, at least in theory. And they're going to throw quite a bit more, or at least, you know, that's going to be part of who he is as a player. It can't be easy just midstream to be like, all right, we got to like do everything we worked on this week is kind of out the window. Um, normally it's, it's not that, it's not that hard. We, we got great coaches. We got great players that have been in a lot of scenarios and maybe that's the difference this year. We don't have a lot of experience, right. but normally it's, you know, we got guys, they've seen everything like college football. You see a lot of very similar concepts. So in, in reality, you're kind of like prepped for a lot of different things, except when it comes to maybe like the triple option, but you know, we got great coaches. They make adjustments at, at halftime. They're really good. I mean, on the sideline, every drive, they're back there scheming things up. I mean, I don't think it's anything to blame on that. I think our guys, I think our guys knew what they had to do. I think they're capable of it. They just didn't execute. And I think the D line, not having that pressure and like not being able to stop the run as well as normal, I think that really hurts you. And it just shows their their offense did a good job to try to eliminate that let's eliminate their let's eliminate their pressure let's eliminate their havoc plays by getting the ball out getting free access and you know just kind of trying to expose little things we've been struggling with all year it feels like the game plan for ivan pace really well but yet somehow ivan still had a quiet 11 tackles one and a half tackles for loss you're not right. going to stop him i mean just <laughs> right well, the other thing contain. is also when they run 85 plays, there's gonna be right. a lot of tackles. Yeah, there there's is a lot that. of tackles on 85 plays. You know, it's he he did pile up some tackles, but I, I I think they did a good job not letting him being as disruptive as he normally is. You know, a yeah. lot of those tackles came. He's like, not gonna be disruptive on on free access, right, Ryan? No, there's not enough time. Not enough right. time to get back there. Well, I I even met on some of like the jet sweeps where like normally yeah. he no might they be did a good job field, like ready for the tackle. It seemed like like they were doing doing a lot of motion to get him like away from the play and away from where they were gonna go and and it kind of I don't think Ivan played bad at all, but no. you know you're gonna you're gonna rack up tackles playing Mike in that defense. No. They, they're gonna set him up to make plays, especially if they're on the field a lot. And what Ivan's been able to do, you, you normally feel you feel him in the game. You can feel his presence. You, he, he's a havoc machine, and you didn't really feel that because they did a good job. They had a good scheme, and there, you know, maybe that that in that kind of scenario, that's not really going to be Ivan's game to go out and win for us. Other right. guys got to step up and make make big plays, make havoc plays, get pass breakups, get picks. Maybe D line's got to get their hands up. They know they're not going to get the rush. Get your arms up. Try to get bat bat down balls. That was something Myjay was really really good at. Yep. Um, and you're not really seeing that as much this year, but you got to find ways to adapt and make plays when in uh, different ways the offense presenting them to you. Yeah, Lamb Big. This has been asked a couple times. Have you seen this, Ryan? Where 
Yeah. Uh, Wiley in motion. Like I, I'm guessing what they're talking about or what RG3 was talking about. He didn't go back and expand on it. But like when Wiley motions into that kind of H-back fullback spot, it's a run. When he's out wide, it's a pass. Like, are you noticing any trends there that the defenses can pick up on? Um, I mean, I know that I know defense are really they're really really good now at picking up the the skip play we run on offense where the, he skips across yeah. and it becomes that like RPO option. Um, and I think that they, we've been running that for a lot for three years, and I think that's some a staple kind it's of the that, Josiah Deguara play. Josiah's yeah, been in the NFL yeah. for like seven years now. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, Aaron I think Rogers that's some still won't throw to him. <laughs> Yeah, the Packers got their own problems going right now. But um, I think it's just something Wiley, he's a guy they're going to key on, and he's a he's an NFL caliber guy. He's one of our best players, and they're going to have an eyes on him on film every single week and be like, all right, what's he doing? How's he lining up? Because they're trying to find any way to expose any tendency. So when you're using like your – you got to try to – you got to try to – not expose your big players. You're not, you can't give up, you can't have high tendencies for them. So you got to find ways to have very similar alignment, very similar stance, very similar. You got to try to make every single play look as identical as you can when it comes to formation. Cause defenses, I mean, we'll, we'll pick up on guys. Like if their hand is like an inch further out in their, in their uh, stance, we're going to find that and we can find anything. So what I mean, sucks they, is RG3 didn't finish his point. Yeah. Because we don't know, like a couple of people have asked this. Okay, so he, like maybe he, you know, as a quarterback, he saw something on tape, but then he never went back to us to tell us what he saw. So it's impossible to like try to get in his head and assume yeah. what he was seeing. Yeah, so I didn't really catch what he said exactly. Do you remember? Maybe he, I could. He basically try to just said like, "There's a Cincinnati's got to tell with Wiley when they motion him whether it's going to be run or pass." And then he's like, "I'll get back to that later." I mean, if he's he saying it, it. yeah, if he's saying it, then it's definitely a thing. The deep, they they definitely know exactly. I haven't studied Wiley's alignment, um, but I know that if if some announcer is picking up on it, then UCF definitely is picking up on it, and everyone else is. My guess is when he goes into that fullback, H-back position, the read is run. Yeah. Because I can't recall a time where he's motioned to the middle of the line, taking a step back, and then they've thrown the ball. Yeah. Well, that was like Blue Smith when he was outside early in the season. It was run, 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 run every single time. And yeah. then they were like, oh, maybe we should pass out of this formation from time to time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, there's sometimes it just the offense is going, yeah, we this is what we want to run, and we're just gonna go mano y mano. We're gonna run the ball, and we have the hats on guys who want to have hats on. We just got to make the play and get three to five yards or whatever they're looking for. And sometimes you just get beat at the line and it doesn't work out. Maybe with that Wiley H back thing, I know one thing that was really hard on linebackers was kind of like. Like he kind of goes through the the B gap, acts like he's going to go up to the linebacker, but just keeps running straight vertical for a little pop pass. I know that is super hard. I mean, if Gino's listening, I'm sure they got it in. <laughs> I know right. that's a super hard concept to to handle as a defense, but you never know. You got to find ways to switch things up. You got to eliminate tendencies. You got to you got to study that because if RG three's seen it, that everyone else has seen it. Towards the end of the game, while I went in motion, yes, I it, and if it's a if it's something as simple as you know, 
tip of the hand a little bit. I is that going to be too much of an effect for the entire defense to make that last second change? Sure, to probably stop Wiley or to get a, another hat in the box, but it, it's probably something that's fixable if it's if it's really getting noticed that uh, that much. Um, I I wanted to wrap up defensive talk and then we'll move over to offense real quick. Uh, you know, this doesn't happen often where the where the defense <laughs> lets up over 500 yards and and loses. Um, I don't know it, what would you guys say is this the you the said same... that doesn't happen often that they give up 500 yards and lose. Yeah, I would. I would think both. I, of, I would think both of those things would happen often. If you give up over five hundred, no, well, they've I, only I, lost nine times. I in, meant like, they, like five years. They haven't done it a lot. Okay, I thought you meant if the five hundred yards happens, they don't often lose. No way. No, he was that's, saying that's they don't give it. up five hundred yards often, and they don't lose often. That's right. But, but there's a, <laughs> there's a singular thing that you guys would would you know if you put your Mike Trestle cap on or whatnot. It's a singular thing you want to see just improved, just defensively. Um, yeah, I, containing the edge, but but without Malik, who's not coming back, and Jabari, who's now dealing with a soft tissue issue. <coughs> yeah, I think I think what's the answer to containing the edge? I think it's easier. I think containing the edge is something way more fixable. We. That's a fundamental concept. I think I think all those guys are capable of doing that. Um, maybe when it comes to we're not going to ha- – we might not have as dynamic and as effective as a pass rush now because we're a little bit thinner and we're lacking that leadership. But I, I think something we got to clean up is m- missed tackles. I think yeah. it kills – it kills the defense. It kills For momentum. Sure. And right. it literally – it literally like – I guess it gave them that drive to score a touchdown, all those missed right. tackles. I mean, even on the last run, you could get that guy down at the four yard line. And, right. and if you could, if you can stop the run from there, that's hell for an offense. I mean, that's yeah. money. We, it, and it's just, you could say that's what won them the game was that drive. And if you can just, hell, as bad as we played, if you can just tackle those guys a couple times, it might be, we might have squeaked out of there with that old Bearcat luck. But, mm-hmm. I think we gotta we gotta fix that. It, it kills the defense. Yeah, I. Uh, Gmac, thanks for the donation. Don't understand why Lenny and Josh aren't utilized more. I, I thought they utilized Josh quite a bit. Um, Finally, Lenny. Lenny had a drop that that was a killer. Um, they went. He back did have to that him. one good catch though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Bush, that's just it's part of. We talked about it a little bit earlier. The the assignment on the field is is a lot different than the assignment on the boundary in that field corner. They're 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 not pressing. They're not playing double press. They are not pressing boundary and field. They're asking the field to be a little bit farther off the line. He can't get up in there and 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 be physical and make plays with his hands. That allows free release. That's what Ryan is talking about when he says free access where the, the defense sees the corner is six, seven yards off the line of scrimmage. He's going to backpedal instinctively when the ball is snapped. So you've got a six or seven yard cushion. Some teams don't really try to focus on taking advantage of that because there is a risk if the corner doesn't backpedal and drives that he's going to be able to jump the route and get a pick. 
But for UCF, clearly in their game plan, Ryan, I, I thought it was obvious they had scouted that he is not driving on that play uh, consistently or, you know, uh, regularly. So we're going to take the free eight. Yeah. We're, we're going we're gonna to take it, especially when Mikey King came in, more so than when Plumley was in. We're going to take the one step, turn, throw, seven yards. And then what started happening is that seven yards, Mm -hmm. missed tackle, now it's 12, now it's 15. Right. You know, and and, and now you're talking about a free release six or seven yard play becoming a chunk play. That's easy. I mean, that's easy for a quarterback. Right. (laughs) They didn't, they, they didn't make it difficult on Mikey Keene. That, that was painfully obvious. Yeah, I don't think they – in the way you got to maybe play more cover two, play more press on the outside, try to eliminate that free access. And but, I mean, I the problem is I, I'm not on the sideline. I don't know what's being exactly being called, and you can't really see everything from that camera angle. So I right. I don't know. You know, I can't make an exact ex- assumption on what was being called. But um, Ar- I will say this, Arquan was more of a guy who excels – playing more more up and tight like he did that with at a nickel and they started him out to the boundary this year and it's kind of seemed like they've rotated him back over towards the field I don't know why they're doing that um maybe they feel that just gives them the best five guys out there or four guys whatever package they're in um you know I don't know exactly I haven't gotten that info I I mean I could try to ask around this week but like I said, I think Arquan does better up tight, and they're kind of asking him to play a position that he hasn't – not that he's bad at, but he's just not got reps at. Well, no like how and, good... and Kobe's a perfect example to the opposite, right? Because when – right before Sauce emerged, that entire offseason, Kobe was at the boundary, and they were asking him to play press, and he wasn't – that wasn't his strength, right? Yeah. And when they put him back at field – and allowed him to play more into his strength, he became Jim Thorpe. Mamba Award winner, right? Like, I I do think Arquan is probably a guy that's more comfortable yeah. getting up He's there. He's physical. And, yeah, being physical and playing with his hands. And when yeah, you ask him to yeah. play off, like, I'm almost inclined, Ryan, to wonder if it's not better to put Arquan back at nickel. Because yeah. I just don't think field suits – like, I don't think it's his natural I – mean, Maybe, yeah. What would I they do? Shep, what would they do? Shep, Shep to the field? Shep has done a phenomenal job at the boundary. Yeah. I thought Shep had a good game. Shep was great, I thought, yeah. against UCF. So, I don't think you're looking to move Shep from the boundary. The question becomes, who would play the field? Is it Justin Harris? Is it Todd Sammy Bumpus? or Taj? Sammy's been in the, in the nickel. Well, so no, he I'd hasn't have, spent a bunch of time, line, yeah. but yeah. Sammy hasn't spent a bunch of time out there, yeah. out there to where yeah. like is Sammy ready to play the field when he hasn't played the field since last year as like a yeah. third string field? Yeah, he emerged so, as a nickel. That yeah. was something that, that that's his little niche is nickel. So he something about playing nickel really elevated his games. I don't. Fickle talked about it with him. He thought it was like kind of basketball related. Is that he's got he has that short area quickness yeah. that you need in the nickel to like yeah. reroute and and be able to move with smaller shiftier slot guys. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm just I'm just spitballing right. yeah. in terms it could be because the answer is probably you leave him at field because you don't have yeah, that is the answer, yeah. An obvious answer that is a natural playing that field corner position. Yeah, I think Arquan's a guy who's been there, who's got experience, who's got a lot of talent that it's just gonna be they're just gonna have to make some adjustments and he'll figure it out. He'll 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 have everything yeah. fixed. They'll be the great great coaches, great players, and we're they're gonna they're gonna figure it out. Like, just, look, just this, sucks this, that we lost a fucking game like that was part of the reason, you know. It's just that quick access bullshit, um, yeah. not being able to figure it out. You know, wish they, you could they see it. on it. Yeah. I felt like Cincinnati kind of replicated that on their last touchdown drive as well, where they were running quick outs and just doing everything they could, just dump the ball off fast. And that's another thing. Taj has been really good. Yeah. The combo of Taj and Sammy have been very good. Very really good. Yeah. So if you move Arquan to nickel, you're taking – both of those guys off the field because I think you'd agree with me here, Ryan, if you move Arquan to nickel, he's not coming off the field. No. And Taj and Sammy probably aren't field corners. Yeah. So J- JQ guys... isn't a field corner either. Right. And they've tried, they've tried JQ there a little bit and he's just, he's a, no, he's big, a mod. Long, yeah, he's a big, long, get my hands on you um, boundary. So it, it, it's interesting. They have five, six really good corners. I just don't know that any of them are a good fit as a field corner for what this defense yeah. wants to do, which puts you in a tough spot when teams see the tape and figure it out. And yeah. I think that's potentially what happened with UCF is, is they, you know, now, now nothing you do really is a secret, right? There's, no. No. there's eight games on tape. Like you're not yeah. sneaking up on anybody really with anything. Nope. That's when this is when like being a gamer, a coach and player really comes into it, reacting, adapting, making plays. And that's this is what it's crunch time. This is the end of the season. It's November football now. This is when championships are won. And like I said before, this is like every chance right in front of them. They got ECU who beat the shit out of the team that we just lost to. Got Navy who's always tough. They're, uh, you know, the triple option. And then Tulane, who's playing really well this year, you got everything right in front of you to go get yourself in the championship game. You just got to make the adjustments. And, and then I, that, that trip I, I wanted to get the pesky owls too. Don't forget. Oh don't yeah, Temple. Out. Forgot that one. They're so bad. I, I, I do did want to get to to one other thing, Royer. Yep. This, this team has played two games at Nippert against FBS competition. They played one against. Uh, Kennesaw State, obviously, uh, Indiana and Tulsa. Every other game has been on the road, five of eight. How much does that play into this team maybe still struggling and searching for an identity? Because maybe if that's flipped or maybe if it's four to four, you've had an extra game or two at home to build confidence, to build continuity, to build what you're trying to become. So you have this season where you lost nine guys to the NFL. You lost five assistant coaches, including your offense coordinator and your special teams coordinator. And there's so much turnover and you – know, Wait, can I interrupt that- real quick? Just you mentioned that. I – like special teams, I, I don't – I know you guys know Coach Mason. I, I think that losing Coach Mason has been a like a big – 
like hurt. I think. I think Coach Mason. They're not really. They've been great on special teams and every yeah, phase. I know. I I just get. But what you, I think what you're yeah. getting to is what Coach Mason meant in ways other than punt return and field goal and like. Yeah. He was he was one of Luke's lieutenants. He's a, yeah, a great coach. And I honestly, I will say, I don't think I've sp- spoken to the guys. The schemes on the units aren't nearly as sophisticated, elaborate, and um, what's the other word? Aggressive, I guess. Um, and I mean, maybe we could have a couple more big plays on special teams. Maybe a couple more pump blocks, or you know, maybe some more explosive returns. You never know. I mean, coach, I'm just saying that 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 I think we do miss Coach Mason a lot. Yeah, I I turned to Aaron during the game at one point. I was like, I was like, I I don't think. That- that will – I've not seen it where our, our punt block has not been as close as – because normally every single time the last couple of years it looks like on, on punt block it's like well, a, a half second away from, from getting – They've also had, over. what, three uh, roughing or running into the right, runner? Right, which is like – I don't know if Eventually that's Eventually that's going to make you back off. A, right. But those normally seem like they're, they're the ones that come around the edge. It seems like most of the time Mace, when it's a, when it's it was a block, it's right, right at the middle. Yeah, so yeah. – I don't know if that's a scheme thing or what, but yeah, I, I turned to Aaron. I was like, I was like, I, I, maybe the the days of the punt block are over. You know, we don't see any. Ryan would be able Ethan, to answer that. There's no Ethan Tucky out there or or Ryan Royer out there. I don't. I also what don't do see eating? it. What are you eating? Is it good? <laughs> I haven't ate dinner. Man. I'm no, trying just, to eat I'm, dinner. What do you have? What do you? What I, are you is that a slice? Of, I had a slice of pizza. <laughs> uh, they've got the gabagool. Oh, it's Adriatica. It's a little surprising oh, yeah. action. I love it, man. Do you know the secret? What's the secret? You know why the sauce tastes like it tastes? Oh, you're setting yourself up here. <laughs> but it's got a, it's it's got a kick, right? Yeah. It's banana pepper juice in when they make in the sauce, they pour banana pepper juice in it. Oh, really? And that's what makes it a little spicy. I like it. Yeah. Pepperoncini. <laughs> it's delicious. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I do. I just I just discovered how good their wings are. I don't know oh, why. Yeah. But I don't know if they changed them or I just never remembered. But their wings are some of my favorite I've had around here. I, I thought you were talking about the punt return team's wings. I was like, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, but back to that. I I'm not seeing some of the guys up the middle that we've had in the past that have done a good job. It seems like their aggression has been on the outside and not straight up. We had, the gut. that's what we were we, getting at. We had Wiley. We had Huber. Um, that were coming up anywhere in the B and the C. Royer. Yeah, me. (laughs) Name drop myself there. But it just seems like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they've made a decision this year to change it up. I'm not sure. But I I think the way we used to do it was better than it is, and it got more results. But Maybe it's a Monty thing, too, with just knowing you've got as good of a partner as him back there. It's like, let's not screw it up. Let's just get him, and he'll pick up another 10 yards to 15 yards and we'll be set up just fine. So yeah, yeah I'm just, just something I saw uh, just wrapping up defense real quick. I, and this might be, you know, the, the whole missed tackling part or, you know, you know, sharpen up the tackling. It seemed like in a lot of short yarded situation on, on Saturday, they just struggled to, to get a stop at the line of scrimmage countless times. It seemed like a, a running hole was open the first three yards and they would end up picking up four or five and, and either move, move the chains or, or, you know, Get a get a good first down play. So, kind of just a short order situation, especially against Navy. Right off the bat, you got to 
really shore those up. And like we said, it's probably a lot of tackling too that needs to be sharpened as well. So uh, that's the defensive side of things. Uh, offensively, score 21 points. Uh, you know, obviously had had the really good drive. A couple of really good drives in the second half there. Um, but outside of that, man, a lot of a lot of three and outs, a lot of head scratching. Uh, I don't know, man. Um, offensively, it seems as if, you know, we've mentioned identity and things like that. I, you know, it, the the ground game was not there at all. There was, that, you know, that, that touchdown run by Ryan Montgomery during the fourth quarter tripled their rushing total on the day. Um, I don't know if that's another scheme thing or if they, you know. Sacks too, getting yeah, sacked. Right, right. And, you know, maybe they weren't controlling the line of scrimmage or what that was, but, uh, you know, and then you're putting a lot of pressure on, on Ben Bryant to make plays in the pocket as well. So uh, just some some open-ended what you guys are thinking as far as this goes offensively after this game. Um, Aaron, I'll, I'll pass it down to you, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go around the, around the ring. I know we talked already about how much this team misses Bari and, and Leak on the defensive line, but I think yesterday was where you truly saw how much this team misses Jake Renfro. And I think that having everybody shifting that one spot has kind of created just a, a mismatch. I don't know how else to say it. Like, I, so you, could, you couldn't run so, the ball. And, so and when Garrett – Garrett was at the Holy Grail um, and spent some time talking to him about like what, what he's seeing. And, and he doesn't think for whatever reason, the communication as a unit is at that highest level, like not, not just in the run game where they're getting beat, but like stunts uh, loops mm-hmm. Delayed, like every time I see a linebacker delay a blitz, I know they're getting to the quarterback. Yeah. Like every time you see a defensive end loop around a tackle and come into, you know, the opposite gap, they're going to get to the quarterback. Like that is, that is a communication factor, right? Like that is for whatever reason, this the middle three guys just not being on the same page. That's where not having Jake that that so I think Gerhardt has done an incredible job. Yeah. Yeah. For a guy that never played center until they needed him to play center mm-hmm. last year and being thrown into a starting spot. But he doesn't have that natural like thought process of a center. Of, you know, this is my right hand. This is my left hand. Like, Like I I think you're trying to say his physical ability has been great, but maybe that mental side, communication side is where he's lacking from Jake. It's, you know what it seems a lot to me like, Ryan? It it seems like a lot of the kids that come over from Africa for basketball that, you know, they they had a growth spurt. All of a sudden they're 6'8". And somebody's like, hey, man, you should – you know, and they're athletic and they have great footwork because they've been playing soccer all their lives. And they get over here and they're good, but they don't have any basketball IQ. Yeah. Because it's not something they've been doing their whole life. Yeah. Gavin Gerhardt's been playing football his whole life, but center is such a different oh, animal. Oh, it's so hard. They're, they're and, such a big. 
it it just feels like there's like like a disconnect here. Right. Like, yeah. And what sense. also is you, yeah, you'll no, explain it better than me. Yeah. So and what what I'm noticing too is that it seems like teams are doing the same thing every week and we're not getting it corrected. Not getting so any that, better at it. Yeah. That that's making me think that I know it's going to get, I know it's getting coached. I think it's when it comes down to it and you're in that situation and you're not comfortable, your brain is firing to do everything so fast and just react to anything. So right. when you're playing center and you're comboing, you're focused on one guy, and you're just oh, you're kind of like in that. Oh, I'm in a big game. I'm playing center. Still not super comfortable here. You're just reacting, and you're you're not like you don't have that periphery going. You don't have that wherewithal, that experience, um, that communication skill to be able to pick up those stunts, pick up those delayed blitzes, and that's what's making me think that it's kind of like just going back to that uncomfortability. I just don't think Gavin is super comfortable there. He might be physically capable, and he's shown that. I think comfortability is starting to get exposed because I know he's they're coaching him up, and I know he knows what to do. It just shows how intense and how quick and how just Division One football at the highest level can really expose people's lack of experience and lack of communication skills. And I think that lack of communication skills is directly tied to his lack of experience at center. Well, and, and which, and, well, I, I'm just saying, and also when you've been playing center your whole life, those, you know, the Jake yeah. growth of the world, just the simple shotgun snap is, is something that's just second nature to you. You know, uh-huh. You're able to just fire it in there over and over again. I saw, yeah. you know, probably a handful where, you know, and, and, and this Gavin, like we've all said, has done a phenomenal job filling in at the center position. It's, it's one of the hardest jobs. But, you know, with the, the quarterback like Ben, having him bend down to, to, to pick up some low snaps every once in a while, you know, that just, just adds a little, you know, half second to each play. You know, mm-hmm. adds a little bit you know, little bit longer in the pocket because Ben's not a, you know. Takes his eyes a, off his read. It's, right. Yeah. And it's a guy that's, you know, he's not going to get out of the pocket much at all. So it's, you know, the second you get down and you look back up and you're, one second into the play already, it's it it's it adds to things as well. So I don't know. Yeah. But- it doesn't doesn't that often happen because the center's trying to maybe over overcome it's all related. Or, yeah, it's right? all related. So it's he's like looking, that- he's looking, sees like a linebacker coming up, you know, and he's he's worried about the linebacker. He's thinking about letting his guard know the read. And then by the time he puts his head down to snap, the ball goes a little bit low. Yeah, and the next time he's thinking about not snapping the ball too low, right. and then it's immediately, oh, then he's not getting that key. And that just shows how crucial the center position is and how having anyone that's not comfortable there, it's just going to make it 20 times more difficult. And you're seeing that problem with with Gavin. Um, I'm, you know, I – I may not I may not be speaking entirely accurate on the situation. I don't know, but that's just my opinion. I think Gavin's a great kid, great yeah, football player. Yeah, this is player. not a, a, a yeah. shot at Gavin at all. It's it's acknowledging the challenge yeah. of playing a guy that's center. Like, Gavin has talked about this in, in Bearcat Journal interviews. Out of position, like, yeah. When they came to him and said, have you played center ever in your life? The answer was no. <laughs> But he's a gamer so to, and wanted to get on the field. So yeah. well, and, and he's a team guy that he could have been selfish and been like, I you know, I'm not 
that's that's not what I'm comfortable. But right. like, if you if you need me to do it, I'm gonna do it. And I'm gonna learn it. And he busted his ass, and he learned it, and he's good at it. But there are finer points of that position that you know they're just they're 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 natural. Like it's, you it's also a trick at a young age. It's also a trickle down effect. So yeah, I, you got to you got to remember in football if you're going to talk about the three most important positions on the field, outside of like special teams, it's quarterback, center, middle linebacker. Yeah. Like those are the key. It's the hub of safety everything. has become kind of a de facto middle linebacker in places too, right? That, yeah. that strong safety. Yeah. Cause we communicate a lot uh, with our, our boundary safety and our yeah. defense. So they become, but in terms of just overall, just getting the offense defense set up, like specifically for offense, you got the quarterback, he's calling the plays, he's getting everyone in motion. Then I, the, while he's doing all that, that center is directing everything and centering, like literally in the word, centering everything up for the offense, getting them everything set and ready to rock. So, and th- just to speak on Renfro, he was capable mentally and physically to do that his freshman year and drove yeah. out a true freshman year. Yeah, true freshman drove out a legitimate Remington Award candidate in Jakari. Right. And that just like, you can't replicate that no matter how good Gavin does physically and putting himself in the right spot and being able to block well, like you will never be able to replicate Jake and it's right. starting a show. Nothing to do with Gavin. No, like the, nothing the, the, to do with again, Gavin. Again, we are this is not taking any anything away from what Gavin has done. It's just talking about the importance of like Yeah. Like, they were so excited to have Gavin and Jake at center, Gavin at guard. Like they were yeah. so fired up about that combo because they love those two kids so much. All, yeah, for a reason, for a good reason, right. you know. And w- listen, we're only talking about one thing here. We're just talking about the run game and blitz pickup here. Like that's right. not what lost us the game. No. So we don't want. I don't want us to be Look, like. Yeah. People. People make- have jumped down my throat because we don't deep dive into what we think the problems are, like yeah. where they they are coming from. Yeah, this and is I'm, a I'm, problem. It's not the only problem, right? Now. And it's not all Gavin too. Like, no, no, no. It's no, everybody, no. you know. Yeah. Just want to make sure, like, I don't want you know we're ta- harping on him a lot just to make sure right. that you tell Dio that. Understand. I'm not telling Dio that. <laughs> tell Dio to tell Dio to fix that <laughs> shit, man. Tell, Tell Luke Combs to get that shit straight. <laughs> tell I'll tell Dio. Gavin said when the when the um, three technique is just coming straight at you, you have to realize it's because the five technique on the opposite side is looping, yeah. uh, and you got to be ready for that five technique to be filling that that gap. Hey, that, and the other thing, Dylan played tackle last year. Now he's playing yeah. guard, and that guard is working hand-in-hand with the center. They're talking to each other. Like, that's another spot where people are out of position. Um, and I think it's starting to get exposed to the, the lack of comfortability on that offensive line. Not a lack of talent, mm-hmm. not a lack of care or play-hard ability. I think it's starting it, – They just were put in a shit spot when Gavin yeah. got hurt days uh, before the – you know. Yeah, Jake. Yeah, Jake yeah. got hurt. Yeah, days before the start of the season. But also remember when when O'Quinn came in for his first start was also Jake Renfro's first start at center. So 
That's mm-hmm. another comfortability. When he did when he did play guard, he had Jake right next to him. So yeah. uh, just another thing added in there. Gavin's been great, but yes, there's obviously there's there's some things that need fine tuning. Uh, Aaron, good job, man. You kind of knocked that one out of the park with uh, with one one glaring weakness. I another thing for me um, offensively, it, it seemed like when when they played with urgency, when when they kind of amped it up a little bit and played kind of a a hurry up type look, they were clicking and, and it seemed like they were picking up big yardage. They were able to move the chains, move the sticks over and over again. I don't know if this is, is something maybe I know you can't do a, a two minute drill an entire game, but I don't know. Maybe they see something where if they do go a little bit more urgent instead of trying to you know slow it down and not necessarily slow it down, but just kind of have their own tempo to the game and, and kind of control it in the trenches and whatnot. It seemed like, when they open things up, especially in the fourth quarter and, and at the end of the third quarter leading to the fourth as well, it just, I don't know, it just seemed like they kind of had a little bit more click to them and they were able to, to connect. I'd like and, to see more tempo. Chains. Yeah. Just seemed like, seemed like that's and, when they were able to fire on all cylinders. Well, and tempo doesn't even necessarily mean NASCAR, where it has right, to be right. breakneck speed. Yeah. But like tempo, like get back to the line of scrimmage, get your guys set and get ready to run another play. Don't substitute. Right. Don't you know? Just just put the pressure on the defense to guard you. I would definitely like to see more tempo offensively because it feels like Ben is a little more comfortable navigating that situation. Yeah, yeah. and when you don't substitute, that's very that's really hard on defense. One because it's fast, hard to get up the line, and two because offense knows what personnel you're in and they know what you're capable of doing in that certain personnel. So you can kind of manipulate a defense by keeping a certain package on the field. Um, yeah, so I just thought I'd highlight that. It was what we did on that last touchdown drive, and it, I, that was one of the few adjustments I felt like they made in the second half that worked really well. Well, and, yeah. and especially now because, you know, like you guys are saying, it's a, it not only does does a substitution, it allows the defense to make a substitution on their end as well. You know, and and I, you see, we we do that a lot. Oh yeah, we take whenever a whenever there's one sub, we wait yeah. and then we send someone to just eat up. Oh no, clock, give just, a rest. Briggs is my favorite. Yeah, yeah. when they take when they take Briggs out, <laughs> yeah. Briggs has the slow. Like he walks faster than he jogs. Off the field. <laughs> dude, dude, I've I've always wondered. Like they teach him that too. Yeah, it's, offense, pur- it's on purpose. Can they snap the ball? Before no, you, no, because the yeah, official right. when you substitute, the official stands behind the center, right, and does not allow you to get into your play until that guy is off the field. But there's, there's been some ob- super close ones. There's right. some. I mean, there's obviously if the, if you're like you can't just like snail off the field and get a delay right. game on the offense, right. that would be a penalty right. on us. Yeah. That's but, why you have to look like you're jogging. Yeah. Yep. But there's yeah. a there's a line and we tow it because you know they, yeah. they teach them that because it gives us our guys yeah you can breathe like get some mm-hmm. get some rest in between plays of an offense trying to uh, they've you've been on the field for a while and the offense is trying to go a little bit quicker tempo but and and it does speed up the clock inside of the offense's head as well but uh, no I I like it because also you saw in that last drive where Ryan Montgomery had the had the rushing touchdown where the the defense was reacting to the pass. To how we were able to, to move the chains and and, and able to, to to pick up big gains through the air, and then they kind of had that look where all of a sudden they were geared up for the pass, and we just handed it off to Ryan, and he had a big big hole 
instead of you know they did like a misdirection what what were the, what did they simulate they did some sort of like misdirectional block that uh, it just op- did something that their linebackers just completely bit on and opened up the middle of the field completely wide open i don't remember exactly what it was but i know we did some sort of like kind of exotic like scheme to somewhat for some reason that middle of the field opened up we got those linebackers right out of there i'd have to go back and watch the highlight of it but i just remember seeing that um pop it like it stood out immediately to me like i was like oh shit like that was a good good scheme up by the o Mm -hmm. yeah um i'm pulling it up now but and i'll i'll let you know what i see but yeah i I don't know It, it it did seem like when when they did speed it up like that and you know, not it's not necessarily like a breakneck speed, you know. The, All right, the Ryan, let's let's get your uh, organs your, of the world. Your, let's get your uh, ability to break down film mm-hmm. ready to go here. All right. Um. Nope, that is not the one I wanted. Um. Great job by me on that. <laughs> there we go. Let's see it, Chatty B. So are we ready here? Yes. It is pulled up. And yeah, the Wiley. Yep. You're gonna mute that. There we go. Tell us what we see, what we're seeing, Ryan. Right here. Chad, you want to mute that video or we may get pulled on. Oh yeah. All right, okay. let's go back to the start, Ryan. Yep. What, 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 Wiley's, All right, so, Wiley's coming in motion across the formation. Yeah, so I think what they're doing here is they're giving that skip play that I was talking about earlier. They're giving the skip play look. So they're they're treating that D end is doing an RP the D end of the field, which Ben is looking at. They're treating they're making him think he's in the RPO again. And so what they're getting is they're getting that safety who's responsible for Wiley. You see him kind of uh, no, no, the right there. Yeah, him. He's thinking, I'm running right to Wiley. I'm going to go stop that RPO. So he's think beelining for that, the flats, the field. And all they're telling Wiley is, let's chip, let's chip this DN just to make sure he's not getting in on, on Monty. And they're like, all right, we're going to have the safety out of position and we're going to have. Now he's flat footed. Yeah, he's flat footed and we're going to have that backer to the boundary. Basically, here. So now, yeah. So now so they got one on one yeah, with Monty and the deep safety. Yeah, and honestly, here. But look at the domination the by the O line, though. I like, yeah, that's- yeah. Great. Go back to the beginning one more time. Um, yeah, play it there. I don't know what that. Maybe that honestly, this shouldn't have happened because that boundary backer just did a terrible job. Um, <laughs> Which like, one is, which one's the boundary backer? Uh, the middle, not, the right? ba- not the boundary back. Him, who's right not responsible for Josh yet. Yeah, I shouldn't say boundary, but there, we're thinking. All right, this is gonna be a good like four, five, six yard play. Fall forward, and it turns into a he touchdown. Read, I mean, he pretty clearly read inside what? zone to the left, right? Yeah. Yep. That's what he thought. He thought Monty was coming right at him. So uh, that's just a good scheme. So we're class. just basically saying wall off the boundary, create a, a wall of butts that Monty can just cut right off to the field into that big gap that we just created with the little fake RPO chip action with Josh. 
So and that's breaking down video <laughs> on the BBP. Classic yeah, zigged when he should have zagged. Yeah. I mean, that's all. That's all. That's why the, you're here. Backer. Yeah. All on the mic back. Hey, Monty. The mic backer and the, and the safety that, that yeah. bit too hard, got flat footed, and had no yep. chance as Monty was running past him. Yeah. I, you know what, though? I, and sadly, after that, I, I thought, okay, see, that's what well, the, I thought this, it was over. team does under Luke Fickle. They, they, make the plays at the end when they need to, and then they're going to get a defensive stop, and then we're going to roll out of Orlando with our, with our you know, happiness on our side still and put out another crazy video. And then finally we would have been able to to pump the Josh Wiley gritty video as much as it deserves yeah. to be pumped. But you now can't we, pump that shit when you lose. Now we got to keep it in the archive. Oh, he, got, he, he, he got killed on <laughs> the pregame show tonight. There you go. His gritty got destroyed on the pregame show tonight. Oh, he he just went straight. Just what is it? Jazeki's out of Yeah, Mike, I think like that. Yeah, that's what he was making fun of, or like imitating. Yeah, I like yeah. it because Josh has got some. Josh has got some. Moves he's got some. Josh moves. can gritty. Like Josh yeah. can gritty. Yeah, he can actually. He's doing that just to be a clown. Well, because he did it in the beginning, and it, and it looked good. But yeah, yeah, I like that at the beginning because he was dancing on him last year. He, well, he, he hit the yeah. like. You know, I don't know what that arm thing was. That like I've never. Well, that's a Jamar Chase. Like Joe Mixon, like, oh really? I've never yeah. seen the dance of Chad. Two years, did. two years ago was when he was <laughs> he was rocking the baby and and you know yeah. he was he was going all out. But no, nah, that was uh, I Josh, he he broke the record right for most tight end uh, most yeah. yep. touchdowns for tight end with fifteen. Yeah, so uh, I mean, tip of the cap to to Josh. You know, it, it just shows you where, even though we're saying, gosh, we got to get the ball to, to, to Wiley more and, and Lenny more. I, you know, it's just like. Josh has had a, a, a storied career with the Bearcats. Well, and, and they're involved more than people realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're like, probably yeah, trying we to involve see, them. Yeah, we but you got to remember. catch the ball more. Yeah. But they're doing a lot. And defenses are going to key on them a lot. Because and they're so, really good. Yeah, so you're not going to be. The touchdown yeah. was perfect. Like yeah, they motioned oh, him out, beautiful. got him in a matchup that 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 guy had no chance <laughs> of guarding Josh Wiley on that that post. When I saw a motion out there, I'm thinking, I'm thinking they're they're got to be coming one on right one. to him. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and ben, I think yeah, Ben did a good job. Kind of looked away to the field just for a slightest bit, and then literally turns right back. Great pass, great ball, great catch, touchdown. If you're that defender, you think a fade's coming, right? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Josh can cut out of his route like better than anyone. Oh he's yeah, so quick. So like, if you're a defender, it's like I'm. I, I could try to cover the fade, and I'm getting beat inside. Like, there's no. That's what's so good about Josh in the red zone. Fourteen yards out, you're in one-on-one island coverage with Josh. You have to think the fade is mm-hmm. where that's going. Fade or back shoulder, something on the the sideline. They got it. I think they got to do more of that because they did. They, they took such advantage of that with Alec last year too, right. and Josh. And I think it's something. I don't know. Get back to it. Yeah. I think it's so like because then when you set up the fade, you're setting yourself up for the the uh, quick little dig in or whatever they want to call that. That quick little slant. I don't know what the exact name of that route he ran was, but it's setting everything up. Well, because. Back in 2020, when when Alec was hurt, Josh 
had that fade play. He, he had a great mm-hmm. catch against USF and then another great one against Houston just on that, you know, just hike it and just lob it up to him and let him go make an, make an athletic play. And then, of course, Alec last year, that was Alex's bread and butter. And yeah. he, he came down with numerous touchdowns that way. And I, it feels like this year they've oh. kind of gone to Mardner a little bit more when it when it comes to those plays. Um, yeah. It also but, sets up the, the quick back shoulder, too, because the defender's yeah. thinking high point. They just sneak it right in the back shoulder. Right, right. This but, is going to be painful for Bengals fans, but I want another Ryan Royer breakdown here on a play you haven't seen. You're, are you right. a Browns guy or a Bengals guy? Should I t- should I let the people know that I'm a Browns guy? <laughs> is it Nicholas? Oh, wait, no, we got the two-point. Two-point conversion. Ballsy call. Stefanski you, making a statement. You know who that is, that is Hudson? right there, right? You know That's who that Hud. is right there, right? Oh Missed against New you England. You got to mute it. Mute it. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, HUD's athletic enough to be doing that. I like that they're using them like that. I mean, that's that's impressive. That's money. Yeah. That might be Nick- the best Bearcat in the NFL play of the week right there. Yeah, or Alex Deepball. Yeah, yeah Alex Deepball was. Alex Deepball was pretty sweet. Got shoelaced a little bit. Could have scored. I, I think we'll when get we, one of those every single time. But when we get hit on copyright on. on this one, Chad, in the two different spots, just make sure you hit just mute that portion of the video. Yeah, I'll let you do it. You're good. That's at it. fine. There we go. There we go. <laughs> and that film breakdown is big man run. Big hit. (laughs) (laughs) Big man with big momentum equals big hit equals big hole. Rinse, repeat next time (laughs) in red zone inside five-yard line. If you're Uh, looking to sponsor a portion of the the Bearcat Bounce podcast, feel free to line Ryan Royer's pockets with the sponsorship of Breaking Down Film. (laughs) I mean, I think like we haven't done enough of that. Like That's something we should be doing more of. I, yeah, there wasn't, down. The, there the wasn't a bad whole thing lot you had to break down on the Hudson one. Just the, it'd be way better than is, sponsoring an AAC recap next year. Oh, that's <laughs> happening. That is happening. Um, the show's film study. By the way, yeah. uh, just a just a the quick now, film now study with the show. Now, now that we're talking about you know big strong fellas making big strong plays, uh, Jeff Luke was on the sideline pregame. And I had to had to approach him and, and ask him about that that Garrett Campbell story, Chad and uh, Aaron as well. I, I thought you were down there with him, but you weren't. We, we, we missed each other not. there. But uh, Jeff Luke 100% confirms that that happened. That he ripped someone's face mask off, and he gave me his phone number and said he'd love to come on the pod sometime to talk about. Oh, it. I'd love so, to have Jeff Luke on. So there we go. That's a that's another option. I out still there. you heard that story, right? Or did, were you were you? Part of, I know you weren't part of that discussion. Did we tell you that? No, I haven't heard that one. Garrett said Jeff Luke took somebody's face mask and Jeff ripped. Luke. Yeah, I don't even know who that is. So he was a five-star linebacker that transferred top, from top Florida five State, player in his top class. five player in his class. Um, his arms were Google like him this. real quick, Roy. He he Just played at the end of the Tuberville, middle of the Tuberville era. Um. And Garrett said he he reached out, he grabbed somebody's face mask, and just L-U-C popped it off the helmet. For Luke. Jeff L U C. What happened to him here? He was good. 
Good player. Did he, did he start? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he got – they actually – He got some burn in the NFL. He got a look in the NFL as a fullback. His arms were like – I mean, he's had, he had the biggest biceps I've ever seen at UC. Bigger than Kevin Muhan? Yeah. Way bigger. Like, substantially Way bigger? bigger? That's Substantially insane. bigger. Did you Google him? Yeah. Look at the pictures. Oh, um, shit. Yeah, and, and his – Physical it, it, specimen. Well, Why can, did he leave Florida State? He he was in a position battle with another like top ten five star recruit that they brought in in the same class, and the other guy won. So Jeff transferred. So he said, yeah. "Oh, I'm never going to play." Basically. Yeah, I, yeah, and I figured out why he was able to rip the face mask off after I shook his hand, and I was like, "Wow, I got completely engulfed by." That's a by that, that was hand. a that was a what was he doing dude. at the game? Is he from? Is he from? He's a Florida Orlando guy. area. Florida, yeah. yeah. But Does he still uh, rub the Bearcats well. Oh yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah. He was, he was shouting out Walt Stewart. You know, Walt was the, like, "What's up?" The Big O was apparently <laughs> down there too. Oscar. Yeah. Um, who was opposite RG three in the booth? Um, yeah, he had a picture. He put a picture up. With, yeah, he had a picture Oscar. up. We Oscar lost in front of the Big O. Yep. God damn, that makes it even worse. Yeah. <laughs> ah, uh, well, not good. Uh, I mean, we could we could probably do another two hours on on the offense and whatnot, but I guess we'll we'll keep roll, this one rolling along with just like one same thing I did with defense. One thing that you guys want to see fixed or uh, just kind of kind of worked on leading into the Navy game. Uh, we'll let O line communication. Um, I think it is the issue. It is a big issue with the run game. A big issue with the pass game, which is leading to an issue with Ben and exposing Ben's shortcomings when it comes to pocket awareness and pocket, a bit pocket escapability. Right. And once I just got to address this, just all, all the Bearcat fans just tweeting all the stupid shit about Ben needing to be benched. Fickle and Gino are idiots. I mean, let's just put it this way. If Evan was better than Ben, he would be out there. If it was a remotely close position battle after a stack up of mistakes that Ben had made, Evan would be out there. So anytime Ben does something wrong, just know that there isn't another option that's better than him. And to stop talking about Evan Prater needing to be the starting quarterback, because if he was supposed to, he won't. And there's a reason why Ben's the starter. And Ben has had a really solid year. There's been times I thought he was going to blow up and have one of the best years. And Mm -hmm. there's been times that he's, you know, just been kind of just, you know, a little, and he, he knows, he knows he could play better, just a little bit more mediocre. And he'll, he'll be the first one to tell you that and being good friends with him. I know he thinks that way. And I know that he's going to get that shit corrected. And so I'm just, get off the whole Ben Bryant negativity train. I can't, I can't stand it. It's just, just use some logic here. If if Evan was really capable of being the starter, he would be. I was also cheering for the Bengals. Yeah. Turnover. Um, we're getting a lot of um, tiebreaker questions. Um, I've been looking at it. If Cincinnati wins out and UCF and Houston went out, the ship is played at UCF. Um Here's what I've gathered in multi-team tiebreakers. 
Um, the conference record of the tied teams are compared in a mini round robin format. If within the mini round robin, any of the tied teams did not play each other, the group of teams shall remain tied unless one de- team defeated all other teams that are tied. That is not possible because Houston is not pl- is, will not play Cincinnati and UCF. Right. So then it would go to the team that has the highest college football playoff selection committee rankings shall be a championship game participant. The latest available CFP rankings. If a team or team lose in the final weekend, da, 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 da. wins the final play, we declare the championship game participant. If the highest rank of the tied teams in the latest CFP selection committee rankings wins in the final weekend of the regular season conference play, it will be declared a championship game participant. Loses in the final week in a conference play and a composite average. Oh, this is fucking confusing. <laughs> Hurry up and wait. If there are multiple tied teams ranked in the latest available CFP collect selection committee rankings, the highest ranked team or teams that win in the final weekend of the conference regular season will be championship game participants. So if Cincinnati wins out, including wins over ECU and Tulsa or Tulane, sorry. Um, I would think that would put UC and UCF in the championship game with UCF hosting. Just make it a doubleheader. So Houston has games at SMU and at ECU in their final four. So uh, out of those three teams, I'd say they have the hardest close close to their schedule. Cincinnati's got three or four at home. UCF's got some soft ones as well. Does Tulane – play UCF? Yes, and next week? Yeah. So if Tulane wins that game, then it becomes... Houston having cat. three losses doesn't matter, guys. What matters is conference record. Houston only has one conference loss. So what happens so, if Tulane beats UCF and then we beat Tulane? Is it going to be a nipper? Um, It could be. Well, if, if only we beat Tulane, if Tulane beats UCF at home and they win out but lose to us, then it would be Cincinnati versus Tulane because Tulane yeah. beat Houston. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, UCF has to go to Memphis and Tulane. Remember, UCF has a conference loss. Right. So if they lose to Tulane, that gives them two. Cincinnati would have one and Tulane would have one. In that mm-hmm. scenario, Tulane wins out, beats UCF. Cincinnati wins out, beats Tulane. Right. Then it would be Cincinnati and Tulane run it back. Whoever mm-hmm. had the higher CFP ranking, it would have. No, to I be guess us. Cincinnati would. It would be Cincinnati would because they beat head to head win. Would have yeah. the head to head. Yeah. Yeah. So UCF has Memphis next week. They always go win. Green Wave until Black Friday. How about that? Yeah. There we we'll, go. We'll ride that. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I want to just say yes, Ryan. You're you're completely right with what you said. By the way, uh, before we dove into that to the uh, championship game oh, talk, yeah. I, it's just you know, you know, just 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 be better. Yeah, come on, like, just be better. Um, I don't know that anybody watching this show is going to be the people that need to be addressed with that. Though I yeah. agree, I agree. But no, there's trust me, there's some of them out there. All right, but. 
<laughs> they were in my mentions on Saturday. All right. They're out. The, uh, I guess, obviously, the, you know, the other elephant in the room is old Corey Kiner thing, and I'm sure that'll be squared away and figured yeah. out throughout the week as well. well um, they ran the ball 12 times. Like, the, I, I think it, it, it has been pretty clear yeah. over the past couple of weeks that Chuck has won the job. And I right. think they're giving Monty a chance to see now that he's healthy if he's the number, if he's the second best back on this roster, mm-hmm. if that was a game, if that was a game where they ran the ball 28 times yeah. and Kiner didn't carry it, mm-hmm. my eyebrow would raise a little. Yeah. But they ran, yeah. they had 12 runs the entire game. Like somebody's yeah. going to get squeezed out of that, right? Like that's math. Yeah. Somebody's going to get squeezed out. They couldn't run the ball. Well, I'll give yeah. them credit for this. They couldn't run the ball. So they, they just stopped. Yeah, Chuck had 11 <laughs> carries. Ryan had throw. three. but yeah, No more of that. Four, okay, 14 <laughs> times, not 12. My bad. Yeah. I, Still 14 runs. No, I know. For yeah. a Luke Fickle team is crazy. Well, I think yeah. they saw that UCF was amped up to stop the run. And, yeah. You know, I t- maybe a little bit more design. And, you know, the one play that Evan did get in, I, I didn't love the – the, the time and situation that he was thrown in there. Um, you know, I, who knows? And they knew they were all over it too. Yeah. They knew exactly what to do. I mean, I think I, you can I, use- I know guys that the, 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 the ranking comes into play. I'm just talking about for getting into uh, the, the, for the people saying Houston would miss out with three losses. I'm just saying they, because they only have one conference loss, they would be in those tiebreaker scenarios. And because this conference is ignorant, I don't trust any of that shit. <laughs> I, right. I'm just saying. I'll trust to your any point, of that shit. To your point, Ryan, of course they knew because we never passed the ball when Evan's in the game. And you have to switch it up every now and then to keep just to keep people yeah. on their toes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, in, third and seven, everybody third and three, everybody knew it was coming. I mean, I hey. I think there are situations where you could use the talent that Evan possesses. I do too. But but in that one, in that one play, it's like, come on, like, you know, I don't just give him. You got to give him like a couple downs. You can't just throw him out there for one play and hope that you get it and never pass with him when you do throw him out there for one play. Well, yep. if you're throwing him out there for one play, you're not putting him in there to pass, or you would just have Ben in the game. Yeah, I'm just excited to see what happens Green now disagree. that that the staff has. The you know the the backs up against the wall mentality, and I feel like that's when this we haven't seen program, it since right, right. But well, but like we didn't even really see it in 2019 because you guys lost at the end of the season. Yep, maybe the bowl game. Well, I the shit gosh. out of the Boston terrible team in that game. Yeah, well, well, I even think the that USF game at home, uh, in in the COVID season, right before you know the week layoff. I think even that game, the, the team kind of looked like crap with with all the turnovers and whatnot. And that was when the whole fan base was wanting Des out and you know give give different people shots. So I I think it's just a it's going to be interesting and, and refreshing to see what the team does coming into this next week. Especially I I mean it's just it is just weird playing Navy again, but you got to do Lost it. The quarterback. We'll get to more of that as we right. as we move on with the week. But right, exactly. I you know I, what. I, Without if, if Jabari can't go or Jabari's limited and no Malik, it'll be interesting. 
I like Eric Phillips and Noah's Potter's game in, in the triple, though. I like yeah. their destructiveness at the point of attack. Yeah, I like that. I agree with that. I think Watley would do pretty pretty well against yeah, them, too. Yeah, Watley, Watley played against them. Uh, well, they, they prepped them really well last year for it. Watley did really well in practice with it. Yeah. So, and also, I think this would be a, this would be a game where it's like, guys, this is the one team in the conference that we, I'm sure all of us, are extremely happy to say we will mm-hmm. not be seeing them. Moving forward on the schedule. Yeah. So. Let's get a timestamp in here. Yep, let's do a timestamp. This timestamp is brought to you by Quick Paper Supply, your locally and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products. <coughs> Quick Paper services over 150 restaurants. <coughs> Damn. With weekly, low-minimum, next-day deliveries, providing a wide range of food service products from to-go containers, cups, custom products, eco-friendly and more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. They've been open since 2009 and are one of the largest minority-owned companies in the city. Call Nick at 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. There you go. There you go. Uh, Well, one week away, guys. One week from tonight, we'll be uh, reminiscing on a big game against Chaminade. Are, are you good for Sunday next week, Royer? Sunday next week? Uh, yeah, I'll be good. I feel I like that'll I, be a be a good basketball heavy one as well. Yeah, we'll get Royer's thoughts on the team. Yeah. Hopefully we to. can we can what open you shut the navy door. Go from there. Um, I get off at five. Okay. Yeah. Practice tomorrow from four thirty to six if you want to. Oh, I probably wouldn't. I, yeah, I, I'll be stuck in rush hour. I won't be home in time to make any of it. Right. N- another time, though. Thank you. I, I, I'd love – I want to – if we're going to have you talk basketball, I want you to get down. Yeah, no. I'd love to. Speaking of, of getting down and watching basketball and hearing about basketball, uh, Chad, you, you were able to attend a, a, a practice recently, right, since our last – Podcast. Yeah, I was there. I was there Tuesday of last week. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, that on top of the uh, super secret, not so secret thing yeah. that happened this past weekend yeah. as well. Um, what kind of, I, I guess, pulse of the team heading into, which which I think is actually pretty good, leading up against what the outsiders would consider cupcakes or you know, somewhat games to kind of continue to find yourself. Uh, starting with Chaminade, who still has Cincinnati as exhibition on their schedule. I don't know what that means, Whatever. but um, what what would you say kind of the pulse of the team? Obviously, you mentioned defense is going to take a little bit to they catch got, up to, to where they got to get better. De- they got they got to get better defense and rebounding. Like that, that yeah. those um, those two areas, they feel. I don't think they feel like they're going to score ninety points a game, right. but I think they feel a lot better about where the offense is right now in comparison to where it was a year ago. Um, I know a year ago when I was having these conversations, the conversation strictly centered around, I don't know how we're going to score. Right. I don't know where over 30 games offense comes from. Yeah. I haven't had a lot of those conversations. Like they they feel like this team is going to be able to put some points on the board, but um, the conversations I had, they felt better about the defense they played against Purdue. Now Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are concerns about not being able to guard someone that is seven foot four. 
But fortunately, they're not going to guard a lot of guys that are seven foot four. I think the rest of the country is probably trying to figure out how to do that as well. So, um, the other like rebounding, if you're going to be a Cincinnati basketball team, yeah, you got to rebound. But the question is, who is Trey Scott and Gary Clark? And like when right. you look back, there there have always there's always usually always been that guy, Eric Hitch, Jason Maxiel. Like right. that guy you could count on. Even Yancey was, yeah. was really good on the glass for whatever flaws Yancey had, he could rebound. Yeah. I don't know who on this team you look to and say, that guy's out there for 25 minutes a night because he's gonna he's gonna dominate in and out of area on the glass. So at least as things currently stand, that is a major problem because if you're, let's say they get up to the point where they're average on defense. Right. Where they can hold their own, at least on defense. But then you give up a bunch of offensive rebounds. Yeah, you got to go get then the you're yeah. Then you're terrible on defense, right? Because yeah. you're doing everything you can to grind out 30 seconds and get a stop. And then the other team gets 20 more seconds to come at you. Right. If, if they can't get this rebounding thing figured out, we're going to run into a lot of, you know, ramming heads into walls. Um, trying to get that, those two pieces in sync. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's crazy. Well, cause you mentioned having a defensive stop includes bringing in the defensive rebound. And it, it for a while, you think back, like the identity of Cincinnati is Cincinnati basketball is, is rebounding toughness, being able to get right. after it on the boards. This, that, and the other. But recently, it, it has been somewhat of a bugaboo over the past three or four years. So, um, you know, obviously, judging off of what you've heard from Chad Dollar on the podcast, you heard from from Wes and, and just numerous other other avenues, it sounds like they really want Odie to, to focus on that being the one thing that he can bring the team this year, just relentlessly attacking the, the glass and, and becoming a rebound machine. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Kalu. Uh, has been able to do it in in the past, but now you know he's a step up in talent and everything. You gotta hope that he can take that next step as well and and continue on the boards. But yeah, it, it does sound like the the things also that I'm excited to see is just kind of yes, there are those returning players on the team, but there's a lot of new faces as well. Just kind of how it's all integrated, how it all looks together, but. You know, it, it, it's refreshing to hear that, you know, when you mention the team, it's not like, is, is Jeremiah Davenport going to have to step up and be the number one player on the team? That's that's no longer the call. It's Now it's just Jeremiah Davenport has amped his game up, but now he's going to be able to be maximized to the best of his ability, you know, and, and you have all these other playmakers and things like that. So I'm just excited to see how it all looks on the court together as they continue to find their identity before they head out to Maui. Um Aaron, what what uh, any any pulse that you have on the basketball team, just just as we get ready one week away? No, I mean I've, I'm just excited to see what this team looks like when we see them competing in real games. Obviously, there's I don't know I, I feel like in exhibition you're still trying not to get hurt even in basketball, uh, so maybe you don't push yourself to a, the same. They limit. were trying to win the Purdue game. I sure. I'm just telling you. But you're still not. I don't. I think that you're still not pushing yourself to the physical limits you would push yourself to in a regular game. Um, that's mm. just my two cents. But 
I, I don't know like that I believe that because you're also in a position right here where all a lot, you know, there's there's a roster of 12, 13 guys that are all trying to get minutes. Minutes, yeah. That's so fair. I, competition wise, I, I get like I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying in terms of scrimmages. I'm just saying I think in this situation where this team is, there's a lot of guys that are still we're still in a position where guys are, you know, trying to uh trying to make sure they get on the court. I get it. So, so another thing about Purdue is they were one of two teams last season in, in all of college basketball to not have a transfer on their roster. Um, and again, this year, same thing, no transfers on the roster. So right now they're, they are a team um, for a lack of better words. They, they, they've known each other and they, yes, they lost some big level talent after last season, but it's a team that's been together. And uh, it seems that's what we always really talk about with Mick, right? identity. Yeah, it's like there's continuity when you have right. continuity, and and Matt Painter is a great coach. He's not a good coach. Yeah, a great coach. Yes, continuity, great coach in a scrimmage setting. Like you're you're probably in trouble. We're being honest. Mm-hmm. But that's why you you have that early early season schedule for for the basketball team. You know, obviously you just. Go out there, handle go out there and handle your business against Chaminade, Cleveland State, Eastern Kentucky, and Northern Kentucky. Get things figured out. Find the the lineups and and you know the grooves with each other. What works on the court the best, and then you head to Maui and, and see you know with with everything all stacked up how you can do. So, um, I'm I'm just excited to see what it, what it looks like on the court because I sadly haven't been able to, to to get to a practice or anything. But you know you just see all these different pieces. You know, I'm, I'm excited to see what they all look like put together on a court. So, Agreed. Um, we'll see. Chad, as as far as rebounding goes, is is Vic close to being that? Do you think? I I mean, obviously, that's a it's a, it's, it's a name that people love to talk about. But I don't think he's a bad rebounder. But I don't think he's like he's just not a like a glass eater, right? Like he's, right. he's just not that guy that you think like he's going to get us eight for sure. Mm-hmm. He's the guy you think like he can move, you know, he can get us five, six, but is he really going to be the guy that like bullies the guy across from him and goes and, you know, keeps him off the offensive glass, like a dog. Exactly. Matt. Like they, I, I don't know that he's a dog on the glass and that's something either organically or or through the portal or whatever it is, you're going to have to go find that guy. Like Because rebounding is absolutely a skill. It is absolutely a skill. It is actually I, a lot of people in the business think it is the skill that translates – most effectively across levels. If you're a good rebounder in high school, you're going to be a good rebounder in college. And if you're good enough, you're going to be a good rebounder in the NBA. Like if you're, there's, there's great shooters in high school that can't shoot in college because you know, their release is a little slow or it's a little low, you know, they, what they, what they were great at in high school gets on a, scouting report and teams take it away like it, 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 re- defending is something that 
translates pretty well, but maybe you're a great on-ball defender and, and you're a bad team defender. We've, we've seen that before here. We've seen guys that are great team defenders that when they get put in isolation can't stay in front of a guy. Like, rebounding translates. It, it fucks. Rebounding fucks. <laughs> right? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it's such just, a great description. Because <laughs> like, we it, all it like gets, it. You it know? gets the job done. <laughs> it gets the, no matter what, it gets the job done. I, I, I couldn't think of a better analogy, and that's and, the one that came you know, to my head, you know, but I think it's the most effective one. You don't yeah, I was a great rebounder, be, too. Hey, you don't need to I, be, like, I, I the biggest, that. though. Chad, you don't need <laughs> no. to be the biggest, though. You no. just gotta, you got to be able to have good technique. Yeah. you got to be able to know how to how, how to find it, you know, and, and get it. I, you know, I, I do. Exactly. We, take this we, we, mentioned, <laughs> we mentioned Jaquan Parker a couple a couple pods ago, and, and he's a good example, you know. someone that, that, At 6'4", Park was the guy that could go up against a 6'10 guy and, and go yeah. get the ball. Right, exactly. So I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree. Uh, maybe Kalu ends up being that guy. Maybe he sees I, that I think it's, it's something they need. It's yeah. not, Brent. It, but but that's what I'm saying. Right. It's not like okay, something this guy's learn, right. into a great rebounder. Yeah. Right. Like you yeah. either you either got that dog in you, or you don't. Right. I, I Royer being a great rebounder makes perfect sense mm-hmm. because. You would do whatever it takes to go get the ball, right? Yep. No matter what. I would kill a man to get the ball. With your bare hands. Yes. Elbows and everything. <laughs> it's like trying to How far is Kathy behind this podcast? <laughs> I mean <laughs> Kathy brings up good points. I agree. It's just an hour later. She didn't say anything wrong though. She was no, she she's not saying she did. She's just commenting on something we talked about at eight fifty three. Honestly, Maybe she Kathy, got some slow Wi Fi or something. Kathy, I'm going to go back with what you're saying. Uh, one very underrated thing about the 2020 team and the in the 2021 team was the fact that they were like really good Healthy. at not getting injured. Yeah, it's it just the durability was. Something unlike you. Well, but you and, really and when there play. was a nick, when a guy went out for a week or two, yeah, like, right, it, it, it didn't really cause a dramatic no. impact. When Tyler Scott went out, we saw immediately the impact on the offense. Right. Yep. With Jabari and Malik out, they got gassed for five hundred yards. <laughs> All right, basketball timestamp. That's so. No, good. Hold on, we got it. We got it. <laughs> That's so good. Kathy's gonna be that. so pissed when she hears my comments. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Kathy. All right, timestamp. Uh, timestamp. Let's get quick paper supply. Your locally and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products. They service over 150 restaurants with weekly, weekly low minimum next day deliveries. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick. 513-470-2029. That's Nick. 513-470-2029. And reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Bada bing, bada bing. Uh, quickly, before we get into the mailbag, because we obvi- we always do a tiny bit of recruiting, not much uh, not much talk offensively or defensively. She's uh, obviously football-wise or basketball-wise as far as recruiting goes. Um Recently, from my eyes, obviously the, the the big visit this weekend with with Jordan Marshall, who uh, 
would 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 have some some monster I, momentum for the football program. I've also heard uh, one of their and maybe their top one of their top quarterback prospects in twenty twenty four, Danny O'Neill from Indy. Oh, oh, Danny O'Neill. Well, I know. Right? Goes to goes to the pinnacle, the pinnacle, Cathedral High School. I I actually know Danny's sister, so I'll. Uh, She's good friends with my sister. Biblically? Huh? <laughs> What's that? Moving on. Yeah. Uh, no, O'Neill family is great. Uh, so. <laughs> I, I, I literally didn't hear what he said. So. Yeah, I missed it too. I. <laughs> yeah. Yes, how well you knew her. Oh, okay. Um, no comment. I, I mean, they're a good family. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> Cathedral High School, gotta love it. Bring them in. I think the last Cathedral grad to play for Cincinnati was Big Cameron Beard, defensive lineman. Cam Beard, Cam Beard was a good one. Yeah. And then Alex Hoffman before that. So, uh, you know, let's let's keep, keep the lineage going, Mister Mister Danny O'Neill. Uh, but uh, all right, is, is Danny a pocket passer? <laughs> Nah, he's Man, got some. He's got some chat, wheels to him. The chat is on their game today. <laughs> he got some wheels to him, but uh, but yeah. So um, yeah, those are two big, two big, 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 big twenty twenty four visits. Uh, are those coming up? Officials, both of them. Unofficials, unofficials. Unofficials. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I was gonna say, um, but yeah. So hey, come Bless out, be Lord. loud, keep going. Mailbag time. Hang on. Quiet. Kind of a quiet mailbag tonight. Quick. It's Halloween supply time stamp. How many words per minute you pump out over there? I don't know. Okay. Oh, and, and you know what? We got to lock down these these two, you know, lock down the local recruits because there might be another college football team here in the city here short, shortly from what I've been yeah. reading and, and hearing mm-hmm. about. So gotta gotta what? shore up the, the Cincinnati area. There's a rumor X is gonna gonna be playing in the Patriot League here soon with Dayton <laughs> and Butler. Really? And UConn? Yeah, give it a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, All they right. said there's enough talent in Cincinnati where we can just recruit. Ryan, are, are you shelling peanuts over there? What's what's going on? <laughs> I, I was opening up this thing at gum. I wanted a piece of gum. So much ASMR. Halloween candy. Is it? I. That's the thing with these damn yeah. AirPods. They pick up every noise but your voice. <laughs> <laughs> you know what sucks? Can I tell you what sucks? What Brent's? <laughs> we passed. We've gotten past the combo of that. But yeah, what's up? <laughs> so we gave away all the Halloween candy. And and Kelsey went trick or treating with a friend, and she's spending the night at her friend's house tonight. So there's currently zero Halloween candy in the house. So Man. you were banking on stealing a little bit. You gotta hide the bag a little. I was sticking text. So here's the thing. You fumbled the bag, man. I had to stop at Kroger today for something not Halloween candy related. And I had thought I had already previously bought enough Halloween candy to get me through Halloween. And they had Halloween candy on sale. 
So I bought three more bags of Halloween candy thinking I'm already good. And then we'll have these three other <laughs> bags. Yeah. And then the damn kids went through it all. And instead of just not bringing the Halloween candy out, I did the, the good citizen thing and gave away all the Halloween candy. So now we don't have any Halloween candy. And my kid is staying at somewhere, somebody else's house where I can't tax her for said <laughs> Halloween candy. My dad was a extreme. My dad was like British colony level tax. <laughs> <laughs> Four for me, two for you. Yeah. And he, he took all the good shit too, didn't he? Uh, he'll probably listen to this too. So yeah, dad, you know what? F you for stealing all my candy when I was a kid. <laughs> he, he he Jimmy Kimmeled you before what? Jimmy Kimmel was around, you know? Yeah. Do you think if Kathy has Ryan, kids, all the candy's do you, gone. Do you think if Kathy has kids, she takes all the good Halloween candy? Moving on. <laughs> What's more surprising to you with this team from where you felt we were entering the season? The inability to get push in the run game in short yardage or the inability to stop the run when you know it's um, coming at the end of games? Well, if you'd have told me at the start of the season that they would be without Jake Renfro, Malik Van, and Jabari Taylor, I don't think any of those things would be overly surprising. Right? What's like, the end of the question? The inability to stop the... The inability to stop the run when you know it's coming at the end of games. Sorry, I, I can only fit yeah. 200 characters on these questions. Yeah. So. yeah. Mine I think is the offense the, getting a push. Yeah offense it's been so it's been so shockingly off pace with what we've been in the past you know and and uh, just another thing just the the going under center thing man i just i understand that statistically it's it's better for that but i we got stuffed again on another short yardage one on on saturday going under center i just who knows um Obviously, it's. I think the problem, Brent, is probably you've got to play action and put on tape. Yeah, yeah. They did it once, be... and it was a touchdown. Right. They haven't done it since. So, I don't know. Yeah, mine's offensively. Aaron, it's a good thing we're doing this podcast tonight. I'm just going to tell you that. <laughs> I know. I have the game on. It's... The boy, come on. Nick Chubb's really good. Yep. How do you feel if the Bearcats win 10 games this year? No postseason wins. Awesome. So, so that means they won every regular season game, lose the AC championship game, and lose the, lose bowl, the game? bowl game. Yeah, maybe a little less awesome there. I'll yeah, feel but... terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm expecting them to win out. I was expecting them to win yesterday. I mean, not yesterday, Saturday. It would, would keep the string of – and 2020 doesn't count. You guys would have won 10 games in 2020. Right. Um, this but team 18, should win 19, out. 20, 21, 22, five years of essentially double-digit double digit wins. It's, it's pretty yeah. It's pretty elite comp- – that's – I know. We're getting it's a little you know, spoiled, right? We're getting I a know, little spoiled. We are. They got the guys, they got the coaches to win the rest of the season out and be in a New Year's Six Bowl. After it, choking away this game too, so it it right it it just feels like that one where where at the end of the year you're like oh wow they really got things rolling after that UCF loss it it has that feeling which 
is all a hat tip to Luke because Luke's instilled that thought in our heads where in previous regimes, it, it might have been like, oh, gosh, we're going to snowball and start losing games Dumpster now. fire. Right. So, I, I mean, it's I'm, – I'm, I still have a positive mindset on things because I think UCF just treated that game so much. Like, I don't know. I'm, just, I'm done talking about that game. Uh, I think they need to win either the championship or their bowl game, period, the end. Like, you can't – Well, if they lose the championship – they they're better rather they're gonna win that bowl game. You're, you're gonna be playing in Birmingham. Like you gotta I'd win, rather your bowl win game. the championship. Yeah, I'd rather win the championship. I, yeah, of course. Good you're, old, back in, you're back in the New York Six Bowl. Good old Belk Bowl. Let's go. The, the Birmingham Bowl is, like, is fun. The Belk Bowl is like four steps around. up. The Belk Bowl is like four steps up from where they would be if they don't win the AAC. UCF podcast had the Gasparilla Bowl countdown on their on their pods now. I'm sure they're talking about the Cotton Bowl. And just get out of I think that everyone is frustrated with Saturday's loss, Chad and crew. Impart some wisdom on us, layman, on why we're going to win out. Go Cats. Luke Fickle, coaching staff. Yeah. That's all you need. That's all we Three got. of four at Nippert, and your game not at Nippert is Temple. That's my key point right there. Like and you, then, that, is, that is good. And then you win those, and you've got the AAC Championship at Nippert. So, I know we I know we just lost our first conference game and God knows how long it's been like what three years, four years. Since 2019, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but when was the last time we lost at Nippert? Uh 30 games. There you go. 30 straight. 2017. What was the last loss at Nippert was 2017, before, right? Before the Rose end of the... the end of uh Luke's first year. Yeah. Beat so, UConn the last game of the regular season when start of the streak. Right. Yeah, right. so it was the game prior to that. All right. Uh, how much do you feel the lack of home games – Chad asked this question. I think he stole this question during the podcast. Um, but no, how I much – you asked it almost verbatim. Um, how much well, do you Well, I mean, feel- it's not hard to figure out. They they played two FC – well, BS games at home. Well, I'm now we know Chad's season. burner on the board. How much do you feel the lack of home games early in the season has hurt this team? You see has only played two FBS opponents at Nipper, which is a shockingly low number entering November. Does this give room for optimism as the Cats have historically been much better, especially on offense at Nipper? Uh, it's a factor. Like, I, I think a lot of continuity and – yeah. Energy and positivity comes from those games at Nippert uh, early in the season, and this team never really got to experience that outside of you know essentially what the first half against Indiana, mm-hmm. and then I mean they were they were significantly better than um, USF. USF, but they let USF hang around anyway. That was I mean, that was a game before by. That's just a. Yeah. Win, well, they had, they had they had been road warriors, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. One thing that got lost in the loss on Saturday was something RG three said about Wiley tipping Where whether the play was run or pass. He said he would explain it further. Then never got back to it, or I missed it. Is the staff aware that at least one outside observer is seeing this? And if so, do they believe that to be the case? My question is, would would it be out of pocket to ask them about it in the presser? I think they yeah, probably already I, know about it. Well. My problem again is he never finished his point. Yeah. So like I don't know. Doesn't mean they wouldn't see it in in film. If if I'm gonna ask Luke that question, I need all the information. 
Sure, that makes sense. Like, um, I think, think I think that if the defense picked up on it, yeah, he didn't elaborate what. I, don't I think, think what I was saying true. earlier, if he's noticing it, um, that means UCF is definitely noticing it, and that means that other teams are going to pick up on it. And then that also means that our our guys are going to watch our film and they're going to pick up on it and make an adjustment. Okay. Uh, if Evan had Ben's arm and Ben had Evan's legs, what current college quarterback would that would that might be? Hmm. One one pretty damn good quarterback. <laughs> yeah, that'd be Mister Heisman contender. He'd oh, play yeah. for Tennessee. Hey, Hooker, Hendon Hooker. Yeah. If your aunt had balls, she'd be your uncle. <laughs> you Gee, you I love, love that, that Chad. <laughs> I love that. My high school coach used to rip that all the time. It's that's that's the football portion of the mailbag. Pretty light today, thank God, as it's already hit two hours. Uh, <laughs> basketball, Chad. Any word on leading scores from the secret scrimmage on Saturday? Uh, I heard well, from what I heard, Landers played really well. Color me shocked. Um, uh, I heard Kalu played really well offensively. Um, still working on the defensive side. Um, didn't hear a ton else like specific individuals. Um, other than that, I have not seen a box score. So, uh, maybe if I can, I'll be on campus all day tomorrow. Maybe I'll try to dig around and see if I can get a look. But, all right, predicting the season, who leads the team in minutes at center? Mm. That's really difficult because there are guys that I think are going to play the four and the five. Is that Kalu? Kalu, some, yeah. Odie, some, potentially. Like Vic? Uh, I don't think we see Vic at the, at the four no? this year. No. I think because you had – A little last year, right? Because you had Koval and Abdul. Yeah. Like, I'm just answering. Legit. Legit. Yeah. So, like, there, there wasn't a lot of time for him to get minutes at the five – you were going to play him, he had to play a little bit of both. I think he's strictly going to be at the five this year. Um, um I, if I, I'll guess Vic, that's all that's my guess. guess. If we're able to isolate like minutes at the five and the five only, I'll guess Vic. You didn't want to throw a Jared Hensley in there? <laughs> no, I think he's going to play some at the five. I know, which is crazy to me. Um, He's six nine. Like, I mean, there have been smaller centers just, in just, basketball history. Yeah, just basketball is in such a strange place. Eric Hicks is barely taller than Royer. Fuck the three. I want to go back to no three pointer. So just tall as shit. Just dunk yeah. all day. <laughs> um, okay, that's fine. I'll say Kalu. Okay. I think he'll be up there for sure. Brent, who you got? Um, I hate to steal Chaz, but I'm going to say Vic as well. Vic. I think he's the one guy that's going to be playing one position. Yeah, in this in this conversation. I mean, you can do Vic and Kalu on the court together. You can do Vic and mm-hmm. Odie on the court together. Mm-hmm. Uh, who leads this team in minutes at point guard? I say Finnessy. Rob. You going to go sleeper, DDJ? Yeah, I think so. And you chastised me when I said DDJ at point guard. Well, oh, but wow, I think for God. the no, I, I I think for this team to be at its best, like in terms of, I think here's the 
here's where we're getting into like a con like a a, a, a tough conversation in terms of point guard. Mm-hmm. You're gonna want if you're struggling to be good defensively and rebounding, the one guy you're probably gonna want on the floor more than anyone is John Newton. Because he can rebound from the wing and he can really defend. If you're playing Fennessey and, and Micah at point guard for most of the 40 minutes, the math on DDJ, Newman, Nolly, Davenport, Skillings gets, I mean, 80 minutes for those five guys. Eh, that's a that's a and and even potentially Josh Reed, like that's a really tight needle. It'll probably be fantasy, but I think by the end of the year, if they're playing at a higher level, it'll probably have to be to Julius. All right, yeah. uh, and. Who leads this team in rebounds? Whoa. I plead the fifth. I have no fucking idea. Ryan Royer. <laughs> you got to hear left. Bench. Right? You got to hear gonna... left. You could Connor Barwin it. I'm going to say Landers Nolly because I think he's going to have the most minutes. I mean, he can, he can rebound pretty well. I think Kalu. Okay. I'm going to go with a surprise. I'll go JD. Okay. I don't think JD's JD, a JD bad has rebounder. some games. Well, yeah, yeah. He's, a good, he's a good defensive rebounder. Yeah. Uh, well, he, he has some games and, where he was had to they, rebound. They are going to desperately need a defensive rebounder. Right. So I'll go, I'll go JD. Right. I, I don't hate it. That is the basketball portion of the bag. Again, pretty light. You know what's funny, Funk, Chad? Funk has got an extra. What? Chad, there's like like a three and D player, you know? JD could be a three and rebound player. And I think they, yeah. they could just tell him, harp on that. And we'll go Three and that. re? Three and re. I like it. <laughs> Came up with a new basketball phrase, Brett. Sweeping I like the it. Nations, three and re. I like that one. If we think Nolly to Julius and JD will be our the, the top three, I don't think that. I, barring injury, I know that. <laughs> Who are the next three? <laughs> All right, I'll I'll play your rock paper scissors, like going down the rosters to figure it out. No, I, I don't think this is that hard. I think it'll be okay. Hensley, Bick, and Skillings, or Reed? Kalu's the of the of the guys after that. Kalu is the most offensively talented. So Kalu, well, I is, guess I just don't I I don't know Kalu's definitely so. Kalu, definitely in that three. I think you want to see Skillings become that. Yeah. I just don't know if he can. In in the top six. Yeah, minute-wise. Minute, like his defense. Yeah. Is a long way to go. Long Um, way to go. But hopefully Vic Vic, as well. Yeah, Vic, Kalu, and. Hensley? I don't know if Jared like I, I want to see Jared score at that level. If I think if Jared scores at that level, then then this team is is gonna be in a pretty good spot offensively. 
Yeah. Um, I think, um, like, I think there's a the, the reality is I think Micah and Rob probably kind of cancel each other out because the minutes are going to be split. To I don't know if one of those two is going to play enough to be a top six scorer on the team. I'll go Newman. I'll go yeah. Vic, Kalu, and Newman. Those are my three. And I think they're wanting a lot of Newman, Whoa. too. Just, just the, the amount of times that he's been, uh, you know, shown on, you know, graphics yeah. and, and interviews and, and things of that sort. So I think they're going to be relying on him quite a lot. <laughs> I just love the chat. Oh, Kathy. <laughs> Here we go. Banks, baby. Banks. Team. All right. The, the Banks porch in the mailbag. Congrats to Aaron for surviving Orlando. Congrats to Skins99. Shout out to himself, apparently, for the sudden relevance of the AAC Weekly Pod. This should help with fundraising for future endeavors. Apparently, he paid off UCF. Yeah. Or Anyway, assuming some producer wants to make the Bearcat Bounce podcast the movie, what, what actors would be playing Chad, Brent, Aaron, and would Henry Cavill play Royer? I don't even know who that is. Seems appropriate he's Superman. Since, since he's Superman. king of the nerds and Royer's an engineer. Last of all, I nominate LeVar Burton to play fake John Goebel, and Lacey Chabert will be Skins99. P.S. Hashtag AAC23. Skins, your tits aren't that great. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I mean, shoot. If, if Skins is lacy, I, what's up, Skins? <laughs> you can hit my DM. Uh, I think, like, shoot, now shoot. that he's got, a, now that he's got a movie, I think the perfect person to play me is Bert Kreischer. Yes. <laughs> I'm going with, I'm going with the machine. I'd be the guy from Scrubs. A lot of guys on Scrubs. Yeah, the main character. Is that what is that Zach Braff? Yep, Zach Braff it is. I just didn't know if I said Zach Braff, if the larger portion of the audience would actually know that name. Fred Durst. Like old man Fred Durst that he's out here doing now? Get out of here. Uh Ryan, you get Superman, I guess, right? Yeah. Well, somebody turned that one down. Somebody earlier in the chat said he looked like Disney Hercules. I don't know that I asked you to pull up the picture. Yep. I don't know that I agree with it, but (laughs) I mean, the hair is way too light. Like, but yeah, Yeah. I see the, I see the, I see the flow. Like the flow makes sense. Flow. It looks more like Soppy than it looks like you. Soppy's old flow (laughs) before he cut his hair. Uh, I miss that guy, man. What well, you should, guy. you should, you know what we should do? We mm. should have you sneak attack a Thursday night pod. What do you mean? Oh, on uh, with, with, with Sopko and, and Stein. I'd love to, yeah. I'd love <laughs> Just to. not tell them that you're showing up and have you show up. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Like, what the fuck are y'all like? What, what is going on here? I'll just, I'll Those just start sending guys, you. I'll just start sending you invites. Yeah, and that way you just pop in whenever you want. You 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 want to pop in at any given time. Whether you decide to do it or not. (laughs) That's great. Um and then another one, right? Well, there's a really it's like a normal like it's not a banks question. There's a really long one that I didn't even bother. Well, I don't know who's playing me in the movie, damn it, but uh hopefully someone good. 
Can I? Well, who do you want to play here? Speak yeah. up. Speak it yeah. up. Man, I like a maybe like a Leo or <laughs> AP probably. I don't know. A little bratty pit. Little bratty P. Um, I'm picturing the dude from Eastbound and Down. Okay, I can handle that. I got Danny McBride. Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's who it is. Oh, really? Exactly. <laughs> Danny McBride. I can handle that. We'll we'll take it. Pineapple Express, Danny McBride. Oh I'm yeah, glad, I'm glad oh, we're yeah. on the same page, Ryan. Um, <laughs> it, I'm not I'm not going to even bother to put anything in this one. But if you had the option, would you swap the last five years with Houston? Strictly no. looking at basketball nope. and football from 2017 nope. until today. Nope. I concur. One thousand percent. No college football playoff. You don't. You don't get in the Big Twelve. Yeah. I mean, they did. I mean, Houston's in. Yeah, but I don't know if Cincinnati had that same track record that Cincinnati gets into the Big Twelve with with Houston's last five years. Plus, look, if you ask me, as the owner of Bearcat Journal. Who would you rather deal with? Luke Fickle and Wes Miller or Kelvin Sampson and Dana fucking Holgerson? <laughs> Do it. Kill me now. <laughs> uh, and then our last question here is in honor of Monday Night Football, who is your all-time most favorite Cleveland Brown player? Mm. Yikes! I, I don't. There you go. Like, I don't. I don't have one. I don't care about. Like, I guess Bernie Kosar, Nick Chubb. I loved. I loved Baker. I was a Baker bro. <laughs> oh, there is no more. You could have been a stunt double for Baker. <laughs> I had you a were, Baker. He, was, he 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 was a walk on. He was just he he would. Took the Browns to the playoffs, beat the Steelers. I loved him. I loved Peyton Hillis too. He was yeah. a dog. I like that returner. Uh, who was that returner? Josh, Josh Cribs. Cribs. Maybe yeah. jo- Johnny Manziel. Take it to the crib. Yeah, he was little, a dog little Johnny too. Football on there. I, you know, my my favorite is uh, James Hudson and Jerome Ford. Yeah. It's a great answer. <laughs> great block by James Hudson tonight. Just oh, yeah. devastating. Excellent block. Best devastating block. All right. This That's game's the getting out of hand, Aaron. What the heck is going on? I don't know. It's terrible. It is. Uh... Look, here was my take going into this game. I said that my neighbors, um, one of my neighbor is a childhood friend I've known since we were in middle school. And his wife is from Cleveland. She's a Browns fan. And she was like, I don't know. I don't think the Browns can win. I said, did you watch the Bengals offense without T. Higgins? What do you think it's going to look like without Jamar Chase? (laughs) Yeah. It's been less about the offense and more about how, well, the offensive line's been atrocious. Zero points, Aaron. Atrocious. Zero points. Defense has been horrendous as well, though. They have zero points. It's going to be really fun to talk Mm -hmm. about this one tomorrow. Can't wait. (laughs) Zero. Not not one point. Can we be done? Not not two points. Zero points. Oh, yeah. Burrow's getting lit up. Oh, man. I'd take him out. Just put him out for the rest of the game. 
Got a whole quarter plus left, guys. So, uh, yeah. Aaron, go watch the fourth quarter and enjoy yourself. We'll see what you can do. <laughs> but, uh, hey, that was a spooky Halloween edition of the BBP. I think we did a good job. Uh, but, hey, anything else? Nothing. The heck I happened? I don't know what just happened. He knocked himself <laughs> out of the chair. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. On the closeout. That's yep. it. That's it for the BBP. We'll see everybody yeah. next week. All right. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> see ya. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs>